Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Space, the final cash grab. These are the voyages of the starship. Who really cares? Because we're all here for Sir Patrick, and you'll sit there and watch it and like it. It's continuing mission to explore new sources of revenue, to seek out new convoluted plot lines and new ways to prop up the streaming platform, to boldly go where no series has gone before. Except when we do, which is pretty much always. Yeah, that's right. We've got some issues with the second series of a certain show named after a certain beloved Starfleet captain. Uh, hint, one of us more than the other, perhaps. And we're going to break it all down in this episode 102, Stupid Trek, Picard Season 2 Postmortem. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who could best be described in a series of dolphin clicks and squeaks, but... For the sake of our listeners, I'll stick to our normal butchering of the Queen's English. He has been my partner in idiocy for over two decades and several dozen bad ideas, of which this podcast is only one. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself, sir? I'm doing well. I'm, I, I expected a, a bit more of a vivacious sort of energetic yes you know because you you this episode you will be able to exercise your lewis black demons when it comes to uh uh picard so well i'm i am feeling good about that i i am ready i i feel (laughs) focused the fire Uh, is there but as i said uh in our pre-production meeting that could totally just be gas as well i'm not sure so That's we right. will see. We will Ladies see. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, there, there may be an expulsion of gas, and then he may just fall over and just sleep. So we'll I mean, see. That's always a possibility, quite honestly. <laughs> really, that's... <laughs> That's kind of my trademark, if you will. <laughs> That's my staple. <laughs> <laughs> to know me is to love me, and to love me is to go, oh, dear God, what is that? And how um, did he fall asleep in the middle of it? <laughs> Oh my gosh! So, so, are you aware of the the comedian Billy Connolly? He's a he's yes, a Scottish fellow. Yes. Okay, yeah. He he had this joke way back in the day about this person farting on an on an airplane, and oh, he's dear. like, and it was funny because he's like, it was this high tortured. I'll, I'll see if I can find it for the show notes, but it was like this high tortured sound, and then it it ended with this flourish like a. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's just a, it's just the way he tells it oh my gosh it's amazing it is amazing as That's is most funny. everything that billy Connolly talked about because he's he was a truly a <laughs> truly is a brilliant comedian uh, i just i love his stuff anyways um we are going to get into the post-mortem for star trek picard season two as i or uh, as i like to call it the dumbest of all star treks and uh mm-hmm. yes take take a wild crazy guest who uh, who's who ha- might have more problems with uh, Picard season two, uh, it, whether it be me or the man they call Tim? 
I'll give you one guess, and you probably don't even need You it. can't fix stupid. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we're going to dive into the Weekend Geek and find out what has been going on in the world of geekdom lately. However, we do have a sponsor for this episode's Weekend Geek. Ah, good. This episode's Weekend Geek is sponsored by Why Don't You Get a Summer Job to Pay for Your College Grandpa? Yes, that well-meaning but completely out-of-touch member of your family who still thinks that college costs so little that a part-time job working at the local telegraph shop will more than cover all expenses you'd have if you'd only apply yourself. And stop getting all that avocado toast and you'd probably have a house by now like they did when they started working at the coal mines at the age of 10. And look, look where they are now. Week in so funky so what do we have for the weekend geek this week sir oh very nice these sponsors so so creative so diverse and and wide-ranging in what they cover well <laughs> went, you know went from blinding headlights to uh misplaced college uh advice you, you, when you're when you're as low as we are on the on the social <laughs> rung of the ladder you you uh, can't be picky about who you're who you're getting the money from so a few shekels here and there just to keep the lights on. That's all That's all we're looking for. There we go. There we go. Uh, well, our first uh, story from the interwebs comes from the purveyor of, of all things true and and, uh, and and true and true, I guess. Uh, I always love it when you, when you, when you do it that because I'm expecting like, you know, bobspaceblog.net or something. Close. Giantfreakingrobot.com. So there oh, you go. Oh, hey, wait a minute. That's that's a fairly reputable source of information, isn't it? That is true. That is true. Well, in this case, it better be because there's two things coming out of this article. The first okay. is uh, an announcement that there will, in fact, be a second season of uh, Book of Boba Fett. They have a uh, trusted and proven source that has said that Book of Boba Fett season two is a full go. Uh, and secondly, that it's one is Samuel... Danny Trejo. He was talking. <laughs> He's like. <laughs> They're totally gonna do it. <laughs> I Robert was that. telling me, you know, I've and See, I've got a huge they're part. They're gonna focus on the ranker trainer, and they're gonna make it all about him and his impact on Boba. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you right now, if they did that, I'd be so in on that. I know you would. I mean, and and especially if if all of a sudden in like episode two he draws out a space machete, I am. Yes. Oh my gosh! I would just I I would just take me now while I'm happy. That would be me. If you just well, oh. and what would happen if maybe he happened to get into a tussle with one Bo Katan? Would would that just be the final cherry on top of uh, you know a, a a machete versus Starbuck uh, throwdown? I'm I'm sorry, but Bo Katan's going to win that one. I mean, you you <laughs> you got armor against a space machete. I'm sorry, Danny. You're you're not making it out of this one. But you know what? That's okay because Danny is used to getting killed in movies and TV mm. shows, so it's okay. I'm sure he's fine with it as long as the check clears. That's it's just Indeed. all good. Indeed. So uh, yeah, first item was uh, that there may be a season two, and it sounds like it is a full go. And the second nice. uh, nugget that comes out of this article is that uh, one Samuel L. Jackson of all people will be making his return to the Star Wars franchise. You might remember Mr. Jackson portraying Mace Windu, and when we last saw Mr. Windu, he was being sent uh, as a projectile out of a window by one Chancellor Palpatine, who had gone full Sith Lord on him. Yeah, he was so, getting shot. 
mobbed out like nobody's business, like just being just being fed to a rabid John Cena of it was Palpatine like the at that point. Brawler against the Undertaker, and he took oh. the tombstone like a champ. <laughs> Didn't even need to get a tombstone. He was out for the first punch. <laughs> just went old school on him, and that was all he had. It was like it was like it was Honky Tonk Man versus the Ultimate Warrior. You oh, know, gosh. Sam knew he was doing the job. He's just like, just make it quick. I'm out. Just, I'm out of here. Just pay me in cash. Oh, good lord. So, uh, you know, a, a very interesting uh, development, if that is in fact the case. Uh, as mm. and again, as as some fans may remember, in Attack of the Clones, uh, there is a direct Mace Windu Boba Fett tie-in uh, as Mace summarily uh, decapitated Jango Fett in a in a rather violent death uh, for Star by Star Wars standards. Um, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they did kind of hint at it briefly. I, I think, that, well, actually, they didn't hint at the actual moment, but they did. Uh, uh, kind of flashback in season one he had the you know and he was in the back to tank he had a little bit of a flashback to his father taking off from Camino and that sort of thing and so yeah. uh, so I'm wondering if they're gonna weave something in there um maybe he comes back as as just a flashback um I got to be honest, if they bring him back, you know, Mace Windu has been secretly hiding all this time and surviving. It's just like no one in this universe dies then because there's just always there's always a way to come back. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. If only, if only, if only, if only for that moment that you get the showdown between Mace and Boba and the dialogue from underneath the helmet. Hmm. My name is Boba Fett. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Wait, you missed one part. Yeah, I probably I was yeah, left I, for dead in the sons of Tatooine. Yes, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. And, and again, Ming Ming Na Wen over there, like rolling her eyes again with the sands of Tatooine. All right, already enough. We get it. They, they you know what you went Sarlacc. through. You almost killed yourself the second time when you were trying to bomb the thing. <laughs> you almost got your ship stuck in the mouth of a Sarlacc. <laughs> you know, let's let's just calm down on the sands of Tatooine a little bit. All right. <laughs> It's almost more dumb luck that you made it. Yeah, schmuck. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So, who got your armor back, anyways? Because oh yeah, that's right. A bunch of Jawas took your armor from you. Wow, on the sins of Tatooine. I noticed you don't yes, mention indeed. that. Indeed. You don't mention how a bunch of little pe- a bunch of little dudes running around who you know, took to Eltini, like run off with your armor. I don't know. I don't see you mention that on the sins of Tatooine. No. <laughs> Oh, nice. Meanwhile, Boba's like, I really should have left to die on the sands of Tatooine. (laughs) Someone's got to do a bit on that. (laughs) You've already got like, you know, three quarters of it going. I mean, it's 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 just ripe for like a Saturday Night Live sketch or something. That's going to be that's going to be the subtitle of Book of Boba Fett uh, season two. The sands of Tatooine. (laughs) Yes. There we go. There we go. Love it. (laughs) Love it. So, I'm yeah, all in he, favor of this, by the way. Just, yeah. just in case, you no, know, I don't, I don't care. If they're gonna bring back Mace, I'm, I'm good with that. But if they bring him back and he's alive, he's got to be like, you know, a, a looking, you know, like twenty five percent, you know, Jedi powered up sort of Mace Windu, because man, he, he took a, he took a beating at the hands of uh, Palpatine back in the day. Well, yeah, but I mean, at the same, I mean, you just said if they bring him back and he's alive, like, what, are we talking to zombie Mace Windu? I mean, not that I'm opposed to that either. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Well, we'd probably get a flashback similar to Boba, where we find out that he fell into one of those flying cars. You know, there's all that traffic in Coruscant. He just happened to get caught in a car as he was falling. 
Could be. Could be. <laughs> and then as he's sitting in the back seat, we actually get like, you know, a quasi pulp fiction monologue. <laughs> oh, you know what it would be? You know it would be great. Oh, it would be great. Lord. Is if, if 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 he falls into a car and guess who's piloting the car? Greedo. Oh, jeez, Louis. <laughs> and then and then Greedo can lean over the back seat and is talking to another person, and Greedo's gun goes off like like Vince Vincent from Pulp Fiction, and ultimately, yes, Greedo did fire first twice. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's funny. well, at least according to Lucas. But I mean, Han shot first, really. We all we yeah. all know that. Yeah. Anyways, oh, what are we talking about again? I'm, so, uh, I'm just book totally about that season two and the potential oh, okay. uh, appearance of Mace Windu either in flashback or uh, somehow resurrected form. So, looking forward to seeing if that comes to fruition or not. I think it it it, it would be fun to get Mace Windu back into you know get Samuel Jackson back into the Star Wars universe, uh, given all of the fantastic storytelling that is going on within that franchise right now. Yeah, as long as he has an eye patch, that's one of the things I'm going to insist on. Ah, but, there we go. But it has to be the other eye than Nick Fury. Well, he he's I think he's lost an arm. I think he gets his his left arm gets kind of nicked by uh, uh, either by uh, and oh is it no I'm sorry it's his right arm I think gets gets taken off by Anakin and then he gets well, like yeah. force blasted out the window by uh, Palpatine. But I mean, there's there's spare parts all over the universe. We we galaxy we've known about this, so I mean that's yeah. that's that, that that's fixable, you know. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Maybe they'll, just, uh, maybe they'll of, just like take his lightsaber and like jab it into the stump and like weld it there. That would be that'd be kind of badass. He has a he has a like a laser <laughs> he has a laser sword arm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, inevitably what? we're gonna get to the whole Bruce Campbell thing in Doctor Strange because I, I had something else lined up for that altogether, but are we, are we all, was that a bridge too far all of a sudden? Like after all these episodes, that was what really caught you off guard. No, like, oh. no, no! It didn't catch me off guard. I, I, we, we have some upcoming content where I was going to launch into that, and, uh, and yes, it was funny you true. mentioned that because if folks uh, are are fans of the, of Bruce Campbell, who who starred in in many great movies, um, of which uh, the Evil Dead trilogy, uh, pr- probably not high on a lot of people's list, but but was I think what cemented him as as a uh, uh, you know kind of icon of the B movie uh, you know genre. Um, but uh, did attach a, a uh, I forget if it was a sword or an axe no, to a his chainsaw. stump of him. A chainsaw, a chainsaw, thank you. Yeah, yeah to, to his stump of his arm. Um, so so when you said that about Mace Windu, it got me thinking about that. And then, uh, you know, the the nod to his past in, in Doctor Strange too. So Hey, you know what? There's two things that I know. What a boomstick is and Pizza Papa always gets paid. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, we move from Book of Boba Fett, staying within the Star Wars realm, over to The Mandalorian. And uh, this is uh, sourced from comicbook.com, specifically uh, going back to uh, early April, about a month ago, uh, where Giancarlo Esposito was being interviewed and uh, basically said uh, fans will not have to wait until late 2022 to see some new Mando content, uh, but rather uh, he teased a mid-2022 return date for season three. Uh, Mm. He says, you'll get it soon. I've got a few little things to do in regards to that, put some finishing touches on what I do, but I believe it will be sometime this summer. No date set yet, but coming soon. So if we are getting new Mando content in the summer, that would be quite welcome. 
Yeah, I mean, it would make sense because, what, we've got Kenobi coming up here in a couple weeks. Six, yep, six weeks worth. And then you, you give it maybe a couple weeks to breathe there. Mm-hmm. You get Mando in, and then, what, Ahsoka's coming up at the end of this year, right? Uh, yeah, I did see on Twitter uh, someone, uh, it was from the Star Wars uh, official account, someone took uh, posted a picture that productions of Ahsoka started today. So it was a shot of like a chair on set or something. Okay, then that we might not get that this year, then, because that'd be a real aggressive, yeah, schedule to get that. I mean, we might we might get Book of Boba Fett before that, if only because Robert Rodriguez works quicker than anybody <laughs> on yeah. currently on shooting movies on the on the planet. So, I mean, you have a shot there, but even so, I mean, I don't think that's going to quite happen. All right, well, hey, yeah. I'm all for it. Hey, I got no problems with that. Little Mando over the summer, you know, be in the air conditioning, get to uh, enjoy a little fresh Star Wars content. Oh, jeez, don't mention air conditioning. I don't want to think about putting in those freaking window units right now. Dog Just... days of summer. Oh, God, I hate those things. Nothing like almost... Air? No, nothing like ta- almost taking off a finger and like cussing to to really just get you in the mood for summer. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, enough about me. What we, what else we got? All right, so Mando in the summer, and then uh, we have uh, just wanted to kind of you know put open it up. No, no real news item here. Other uh, re- like like really, this is just about talking through our thoughts uh, as Moon Knight wrapped up this past week uh, mm. with the season finale. Um, I, uh, I, for one, uh, I enjoyed it, but I, I did, I, I did have a, a, you know, some issues with how it was kind of executed, um, you know, toward, toward the end of it. I, I, I thought the story, hmm. um, you know, overall was good. Uh, but I think what really, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the phrase I'm trying to say is, you know, stuck in my craw, I think is what I'm trying to say is, okay. uh, is is just the revelation of of the third personality when there had been all this you know kind of effort put into the idea that he had become kind of balanced in the afterlife and had you know kind of balanced himself and we saw that balance take place and how he and Stephen uh, you know how Mark and Stephen fought as Moon Knight and then Mister Moon Knight I guess uh, <laughs> the well, the yeah Mister Mister Knight Mister Knight. Um, so the revelation of, of Jake Lockley and, and, and I was a little thrown too by going back to the whole, like, you know, mental institution kind of setting. Cause I thought that was all part of kind of the afterlife. And so I'm like, what are we watching? And I don't know, there, there's just some areas they went to with this where it just felt kind of foreign and I wasn't really sure like where we were and what was going on. So I don't know if you have any revelations and, and can enlighten me, but, uh, uh, but, but I thought it was, you know, I thought, the character arc of the season, you know, like I said, I wanted to kind of see the whole picture and see it all. And, and I thought they did a very nice job of kind of navigating, uh, you know, him, you know, kind of learning about these two per- two sides of him and, 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 you know, the way they revealed, you know, what led to all of that and why both, you know, personalities couldn't really connect the dots and, and, in you know, just kind of the, the story behind all of that. Um, I think it's intriguing that there's this third personality there, but it just kind of felt really, you know, slapped on toward the end. And, and I just, I don't know, it, it was just, uh, it was a very different kind of Marvel superhero show, um, which isn't a bad thing, uh, but it was just there were areas of just disorientation for me that I, I still need to kind of uh, get corrected on, I guess. I can I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, 
and not to, you know, go, you know, full on Marvel shill, but I, I appreciated the way that this was disorientating in the way that we got a little bit of that in WandaVision. We also got a bunch of that in Loki. I think this is this is just like kind of that next step of this being a person who doesn't really understand who he is right. on a real fundamental level until you get to like almost the end of this story arc. Yeah. And you start to kind of okay, now I at least know which person came first. You know, who is the primary personality and and which one came later on. You know, it I guess I expect in in a way there because I I I watched the finale and I kind of felt for a few seconds I felt a little bit of a letdown, mm-hmm. but at the same time then I was like, well, no, wait, this is this is kind of how this story was going to go. Like it's going to be confusing right up until the end. It's going to be um, ambiguous, and then when you get to the get to that ending in the mental hospital, and then all of a sudden they just kind of piece out of the whole thing and wake up. To me, that was like, oh, okay, so that's. You know, it, it, it was just, oh, this is now it's a, we're turning this on its head, you know, mm-hmm. in that like these two are in control. Of course, you realize then like it's only basically they think they have control because they're not really in control because you've got this third personality, which was hinted at a couple episodes before because they had that one sarcophagus in the mental hospital that was there like something was trying to get out of it that they never opened. So that was the Jake Lockley you know, personality that was locked deep away. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of dug it. I, I enjoyed it and I really, I felt that it fit the character and it felt the tone, it fit the tone of the show for it to kind of finish its run that way. Yeah. You know, I felt like, I felt like it stayed true to itself throughout. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still a little like, like the whole concept of of the avatar, right? I mean, yeah. When I'm watching the battle going on between, you know, him and Ethan Hawke's character, and then you see these massively scaled versions of Amit and and, you know, Conchu who are also fighting. I'm like, okay, but who's really fighting then? I mean, if if the whole point of the avatar is to be the incarnation of the power and and the presence of that spirit, then why are they also fighting? You know, it, it, I, it, that's where, the, and maybe I'm just getting too like engineering brained about this and trying to like, you know, be logical and stuff. And I need to like, let it go. Um, but that's, that to me has been kind of a key differentiator of this show versus like Loki or even WandaVision is you come to understand kind of the dynamics of the show and, or, or the dynamics of the universe you're in. And in each of those shows, you've been able to kind of wrap your head around a little bit. Probably Loki is the closest thing because because that concept is a little, you know, the, the, their whole ability to go to the end of time, you know, is probably a little, you know, probably on on equal footing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's where I just I, I had kind of a hard time locking into it because, you know, normally in, in the superhero fight, you're kind of. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more of a straight line, a little bit more direct. And, and, and again, I'm not saying this because I'm crapping on something that isn't what I want it to be. It's more, you know, just, just not having the familiarity with the content, I think is kind of hurting me a little bit. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I, I just struggled in those areas. It, 
overall, I thought this, sh- I thought the season was, was well done. I thought it was a very original and, you know, great story that they put forth. And, and I really thought they, you know, the last few episodes packed a lot of emotion in them, um, you know, with, with him coming to terms with both sides of who he was. Uh, and, and they opened the door for a season two in terms of, you know, going on a journey to understand, you know, Jake Lockley's, you know, uh, side of this whole, the, the triumvirate, if you will, of Moon Knight. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I struggled with it. I, I liked it. I, I didn't hate it, but it was just, I, it's still a little bit of a challenge for me to kind of fully get my, my head around and my arms around it. Yeah. And, and this is where I feel like, um, the, the recap videos from emergency awesome on YouTube helped me a lot mm. because, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a, you know, Moon Knight is definitely not as much of a household name to casual comic book fans. The same the same way that like, oh, yeah, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, you know, yeah, even if you're not yeah. really a comic book fan, you're you're vaguely aware that, yeah, there's yeah, there, there's, that's a character. And then they're funny books, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Moon Knight, not so much. Yeah. And and being kind of a as with most comics like the the lore around the character has been revisited and tweaked through the years um so that you're it's not just a straight line you know there there's yeah. there's been some reduxes of the moon knight lore and history and origin um but those videos kind of helped me sort through a bunch of that and and to oh, understand a little bit yeah I, and i feel like it gave me a bit of a leg up because then i was like oh okay and the whole idea being that it's not like it's not like the, those are gods like Kanchu and um, Amrit couldn't be in the world. It's that they they kind of they were exiled, first of all, and, and the other Egyptian gods had kind of gone off into another realm and only wanted to kind of watch what was going on in, in the world. They can be there. But the whole point yeah. being that a lot of these godlike figures in the Marvel Universe are inherently lazy and self-centered. Mm. You know, very much kind of a uh, like a Roman, you know, Mount Olympus sort of thing. Like the gods are very concerned about themselves and don't really care that much about humans unless it serves a purpose for them. And right. then they're then they're kind of well, you know, if they have a contest or something, or if you know Zeus happens to take a shine to a lady or something. I mean, whatever right. the case, they're only peripherally aware. They're only vaguely interested in human affairs until it serves their purposes. And the and these gods and in the MCU or, or Marvel comic universe are kind of the same way, I guess is, yeah. is the impression that I got. So it's yeah. not that they couldn't be there. It's just that they don't personally care <laughs> Yeah, until it's time yeah. to like, Hey, I'm going to take over the world. Right. That sort of thing. Right. But yeah, give them a, give them a watch. It, it, it does help kind of fill in some planks. I'd also like to, you know, I was hoping there was going to be some kind of closure to, or, or maybe an explanation to what we saw, like the first, you know, scene of the series, was you know Ethan Hawke's character, you know, basically putting on those sandals with the glass, yeah, and and trying to and and just understanding like what you know my my by implication what I believe happened there was he he was doing that to offset some sins or something to that effect, yeah, um, by, yeah, that's... by being in constant pain that way, yeah, and that's sort of what he hinted at what they kind of brought around in the in the in that last episode of, you know, he isn't, his scales don't balance, you know, right. That he doesn't deserve to be the avatar, but 
you know so it, yeah it, it's it's more involved in the in the comics from the information that i've gotten but yeah it, it doesn't really tie it together 100 percent. but at the same time i think it's that was a bit of a nod of like okay here's a combination of a really cool visual and cold open and something that'll be a nice nod to comics fans of moon knight yeah but it won't be something that you know is so like okay now i need a an entire episode to explain this you know right, people kind right. of were like okay that okay yeah this guy is weird good enough and they moved on you know that sort of yeah. thing yeah what was that uh series you watched uh it was uh it's a youtube channel called emergency awesome and i'll i'll put a link in the show notes um they do a lot he does a lot of well, he does pretty much a sh- uh, a video for every Marvel show, every trailer, every I mean everything, and he's pretty nice. I mean, to be fair, can be kind of repetitive in some of the stuff, but then again, I mean, you're you're you're. It's not like you always have people who listen to every single video, so you kind of have that people just zipping in and out for one video. So I can get I get it, uh, nice. but yeah, it's it's a really good channel and 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 kind of helps uh, fill in some blanks on on some of this stuff in a very quick and easy manner. I shall check it out. Will you do that, sir? And finally, we're not quite done yet. Oh, boy. What? No. No, 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 no. Come on. It's Come that on. time. Are we going to put a cap on this thing? Like, first one to, like, 40 is Maybe. done. Like, grand champion. Can we do that? Like, where? I mean. Ugh. Maybe. We're in round 11. Maybe we'll go to 20 rounds, and then we'll call it. What do you oh, think? Oh, dear God. 20. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You're trying to get me to start drinking while we're recording again, isn't that? That's what you're trying to do. Maybe. All right. Are you ready, sir, for this installment of Star Wars Red 5? No, I'm not, because I don't have a microphone cord long enough to get to my bourbon cabinet. (laughs) Question number one. Oh, sweet dear God. And you're going to love this one. How tall? So these questions are from Attack of the Clones, just to set some context. Oh, good. Uh, How tall was Poggle the Lesser? 1.42 meters, 1.64 meters, 1.83 meters, or 2.05 meters? God, I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the fact that someone actually has determined in the metric system how tall all these characters are. C. I I don't know. All right, so you're going to say C? Yeah. So that is 1.83 meters. My answer was A, 1.42 meters. The correct answer is, in fact, C, 1.83 meters. Well done, sir. Wow. that's I, I think that might be the second time in this tedious, just gobsmacking 11-part series when I've actually gotten one right that you haven't gotten right. I know. Well done, and th- sir. That was that was a complete work, and now you're gonna ace the rest of these. All right, hit me up. Let's let's we'll run see. these through. Number two, uh, we talked about Boba Fett earlier. We'll talk about his papa. Where did Django Fett live? A. The Sands of Tatooine. B. Sullust. C. Galadron, which I think is some sort of weird take on Alderaan. And then D. Camino. Let me. Uh, when are we talking? So again, this is in the context I mean, he's, of he's Attack on Camino. Okay, so he's on Camino. This is mm-hmm. D. So D is your answer. Yeah, uh, I also selected D, and that would be correct, sir. Well done. You are two and zero, oh, and I am one and one. Wow, I'm ahead right, for like next, the first time ever. 
Surprised you didn't go with Sons of Tatooine. Uh, number three. Mm-hmm. Who suggested that Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker protect Senator Amidala while she was on Coruscant? A. Senator Organa. B. Chancellor Palpatine. C. Masa Meda. Or D. Yoda. <sighs> Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Palpy. You're going to go B, Palpatine? Sure. Uh, that is also my answer, and that is correct. So you are now three for three, sir. Nicely wow. done. Shocking. All right. Number four. I don't know what to do when I'm ahead. This is uh, this is totally uncharted territory. I'm like the 1981 Buccaneers at this point. Like, what do you what do you do with a lead? <laughs> what do we do with ourselves? Uh, all right, number four. Uh, who said there hasn't been a full scale war since the formation of the Republic? A. Co. Bibble. B. Senator Amidala. C. Chancellor Palpatine. Or D. Senator Bail Organa. Uh, Organa. You're going to say Organa? Sure. All right. So you went D. I'm just noting this down so I don't forget. D, Organa. I said B, Senator Amidala. The correct answer was A, C.O. Bibble. Who the hell was C.O. Bibble? He is most known for uh, in that one uh, line. <laughs> not, not for that line. In episode one, uh, he is the heavily bearded, older-looking wise man, uh, who um, basically I feel is is representative of pretty much every older person who I he- hear in the movie theaters. You know, kind of shouting out what they think they know and they're wrong. Um, but basically, he his his big line from episode one is, "You know what that means when they're jamming our communications." Invasion. He's like wow. the old guy who has to, like, you know, always be right and, you know, make himself feel like he knows things. <sighs> Anyways, good old Bibble. Yep. That was going to be my tie in to Bruce Campbell because when we went to see Doctor Strange 2 over the weekend, uh, we stayed, of course, for the uh, mid and post credit scenes. Of and course. the last one is Bruce Campbell and some. Uh, very intelligent person behind me decided to say, that was Sam Raimi. That was the guy who directed the film. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, you have no idea that that was Bruce Campbell. <laughs> and that he was basically doing his entire evil dead shtick as part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's when you just, you need, to, you need to assert yourself and turn around. Silence, you nattering nitwit. Yeah. <laughs> Or pull a Skeletor, you incompetent boob. Yes, yes. Gotta gotta bring out the old Skeletorisms. All right. Well done, sir. So uh, are we almost you done? Are, you are three for four. I am. Uh, let's see. What am I? One, two. You're two for I'm four. Two for four. All right. Number five. Whose voice did Yoda? Did Yoda? Oh, good lord. <laughs> Whose voice did Yoda hear when Anakin Skywalker attacked the Tusken Raiders on Tatooine? A, Anakin Skywalker's, B, Darth Sidious, C, Qui-Gon Jinn, or D, Mace Windu. Well, Qui-Gon been with dead. Yes. I don't know. I'll go with Qui-Gon. Why? I don't know. Sure. All right. That was my answer as well, and that is the correct answer. So well done, sir. 
So Excellent. you end up uh, being four out of five. I ended up being three out of five. So I gained a whole one point on you in this grand farce. Indeed. So you, let me see. So you got four out of five. So you're at 34 points. I got three out of five. So I am at, so it is now 40 to 34. You're behind by Perfect. seven. We're, you've re- first one to 40, sir. Congratulations, nope. ladies and gentlemen. The grand champion of, nope. of Star Wars Red 5 trivia is rounds. a man they call Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulate him. And rounds. thankfully, our, our great national nightmare is over. I do not accept this. 20 rounds. You don't, what do you do? You can't, you have to accept it. It's, you've won. And that, my friends, is the weekend geek. What do you want? <laughs> Are you forfeiting? Because I'll take it. And then it's over. It's over, and I win by default. Two of the greatest words in the English language: <laughs> default. Okay, Homer. Jeez. Well, thank you, sir, for once again combing the interwebs, coming up with all this uh, information, and thank you for all that you do for the red, uh, for the Weekend Geek, except for the Red Five, uh, in which case you can just go pound your sand. Favorite segment, your favorite segment. You know, I'll give you a favorite segment. Um, <laughs> so now we're going to get into uh, the the main subject of the uh, the podcast. Yes, that, so. of course, being the postmortem on Star Trek Picard season. Two now, I I would like to set a little context here because actually, would you mind, sir? Would you? I mean, I mean, you've been indulging me for you know I don't know how many years at this point um, mm-hmm. with my shenanigans, but but there's something else I feel I need to address here before okay. we get into into Star Trek Picard season two. I feel like I need to address something else because there is a related Star Trek item that has been that has been lodged firmly in my craw now for a couple of couple of weeks, actually a couple months. Um, really? So would you would you indulge me with a rant before the rant? <laughs> As George Carlin would say, how, how do you pre-board a flight? Do you get on before you get, you get on? Get on? <laughs> Oh God, I miss George so much. I really <laughs> yes, do. Yes, sir. Uh, I I am happy to sit back and uh, hear the pre rant that will essentially come before the actual rant. I just hope you don't, uh, you know, black out in terms of uh, the rage that will pour forth from you. The best part about that George Carlin bit is it, I, I believe that bit ends or at some point along the way is like, tell the pilot that Air Marshal Carlin tells himself, <laughs> tell him to go F himself. <laughs> it was just beautiful. Absolute. The man, the man, his comedy bordered on poetry, I believe. Um, oh, that, that, that whole that whole bit he did on air flight was just. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Just, yeah. just one of the, one of the best bits of comedy I've ever seen. Yeah, and his laugh his so bits. hard, cry tears flowing from my eyes. Mm-hmm. I was just, it was so funny. The, and then his actually the two bits uh, on back in town where he's talking about uh, capital punishment and state prison farms, it just as a one of the greatest one-two comic monologues ever. It just amazing stuff. Absolutely oh, yeah. amazing stuff. Um, all right. But anyways, so what I what I want to address is because what I've what I've seen and heard a lot of uh, is a lot of folks out there uh, who are Trekkies. And yes, I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see me, um, who are who are bemoaning 
bemoaning in the in the most loud braying of terms uh, how woke and progressive Star Trek has become. Uh, and apparently, you know, Discovery has really touched this nerve. And then, of course, Strange New Worlds and just they're they're terribly upset about how woke and progressive Star Trek has become. Which to me, I my my quick retort to that is, tell me that you don't watch Star Trek without telling me you don't watch Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Star Trek has been progressive for longer than either of the two people hosting this podcast have been alive. Yeah. Okay. And we're part of the olds now. So that's a real fracking long time, ladies and gentlemen. From the very beginning. It framed itself as a science fiction show that took place in a future where the entire planet had ceased all conflict, collected itself into a single government, dedicated themselves to exploration and advancement, thereby wiping out materialism and the need for any money. Ladies and gentlemen, that's so damn progressive that just by me uttering those words somewhere on this planet, Bernie Sanders just got an extra spring in his step and started whistling zippity doodah for reasons he can't fully explain. Not only wow. that, they then spread that progressivism through the galaxy by creating a federation of planets who all work together to explore outer space. The bridge crew was multicultural at a time when that really wasn't a thing and featured the first ever interracial kiss on American television. That's from the 1960s. And we're talking about how progressive Star Trek has become. Like, these are the same morons who are all upset because Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine said something on Twitter that they're like, oh, my gosh, he's so woke now. It's like, did you even listen to any of the the albums? Like, what machine did you think they were raging against? A vending machine? Oh, my gosh. It's like, did, did you not watch any of the shows? Or, or, or is it like this whole thing where like this, the same sort of not, not exactly related, but similar where, where so many people like, Oh, these shows, they really aren't about space exploration. That's when Star Trek was really good. Space exploration. That's when, that's what Star Trek, that's what I really love about Star Trek space exploration. You know what? These are the same idiots who tell you that they write, that they read Playboy for the articles. (laughs) Good Lord. Because when you go back and talk, oh, the, the ones they all talk about are the odd, the odd number Star Trek movies were the bad ones. The even number Star Trek movies are the good ones. Well, guess what happens in all the even numbered ones? F all for space exploration, lots of laser fights and jokey joke. The all the like Star Trek, the motion picture search for Spock. Final Frontier, very into space exploration, very into like not really a bad guy, like Mm. galactic phenomena and like science. Those are the movies these people don't like. Yeah. But yet, oh, no, it's not about it's it's all about this woke. Oh, just can it. All right. Just enjoy the fracking show. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Thank you, you, sir. I feel so much better because that's that just has bugged me for like months now. Um, anyways, so <laughs> back to Star Trek Picard. Let me get my blood pressure down just for a moment. Um, so let me just set a little context. And the reason why I personally have an axe to grind here, and maybe you can kind of back me up on this, is that... You know, I know there's people out there who have said that they liked start they liked season two of Picard. And it kind of made me question, like, are we watching the same show? 
And then mm. I realized, like, first of all, like, if you if you liked it, hey, I'm not here to yuck your yum. If you loved it, then that's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm just trying to outline the reasons why I didn't like it and why I think it was kind of dumb. You know what? You, I'm I'm some idiot on the internet. Go ahead and enjoy it for the laughs, and then move on with your life. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know form a compound and you know start my own cult here. <laughs> It's not any money in it. You're not? Um, no. No. Are you kidding? I don't like people. I don't want them around me. Oh, <laughs> That's why I Lord. love doing this online. Isn't the people don't have to be around me, you know? Um, it's just weird, uh, you know. But the fact is, the reason, and because I, it, it was funny because I watched the, the season finale of Picard, and then I immediately watched the newest episode of Halo, and I realized that I was seeing some of the same things in Halo that I saw in Picard. And I was like, okay, but it doesn't bother mm. me there. And I realized because there's a lot of Halo fans who are upset about the Halo streaming show because they feel it's betrayed the the myth and the lore and the characters and all that. I I never played a moment of Halo, so I don't. I'm I'm only vaguely aware of what the lore is. You know, the one thing I kind of knew that was weird was in the first episode where Master Chief takes off his helmet. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't think that happens in the that's one of the like the big things in the game is like you never see who Master Chief is. OK, but it didn't bother me because I don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. Whereas for Picard, Star Trek, I mean, I was always kind of a Trekkie. I, I kind of my dad was watched the shows and took me to see the movies for like the OG cast. But Star Trek, the next generation was like my Trek. That was the one that I saw every single episode in first run, along with watching a rewatching a bunch of them in reruns during the summer in between seasons, plus then watching them in syndication after the show was was finished and, and then watching all the movies in the theater and and all of that. This was my trek, you know, and much like, you know, fans of Doctor Who have their doctor like Picard was my captain. Like, yeah, yeah, Kirk is the OG. He is like the most iconic Starfleet captain because he's the first one. Picard, though, was like my captain. That was the captain that I grew up with. So for me, it's it, it hits a little bit closer to home so that, you know, there is there. The context is that because it matters to me more, it bugs me a whole lot more. You know, um, I hear you. I hear you. And and, the, and the, the main issue that I have here is essentially you have this second most iconic Starfleet captain along with two of the best antagonists. Actually, no, the two best antagonists that you have from the next generation. And they're all being misused horribly or incredibly dumb. And then you also have the fact that this entire series was like this big gooey love letter to Star Trek four, which it, it was okay, fine, but it turned into such a crutch that it was like every time they ran out of an idea, it felt like, the, oh, we'll just throw in a, a, a Voyage Home reference. Yeah. And, and, and then it also turned into a contradiction slash redux of Star Trek First Contact. Mm-hmm. Because, again, another time travel story, another, well, we, we've got to make sure this mission gets through. I mean, at least the Star Trek Four was about whales. It wasn't, but I mean, this is damn near a redux of first contact. Like, well, we got to make sure this mission happens. Otherwise the whole human race is threatened and it involves the Borg too. Like, oh my gosh, really? So the, those are the main things that I'm like right away. We're huge, big rave waving red flags for this show. Hmm. 
And I mean, this is coming from someone who I really enjoyed season one of Picard. I was looking forward to yeah. it. I was I was enthused about it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it had a lot of, you know, it, it did a great job of kind of filling in the blanks and really showing what Picard was like, you know, after the Enterprise. This was just like, it was jarring to me how bad it was compared to season one. Yeah. Yeah, I have some issues with it, if uh, if I may jump in. By all means, sir, jump in. Join my right. join my little <laughs> cauldron of hate. So, there, there, and I'll, I'll wait for a little bit later on to, to get into uh, what I think was a well-intentioned, you know, kind of conclusion that they were trying to get to. But um, I agree with... You know, like you know, some of what has been put forth is 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 kind of what was gnawing at me as well. I I didn't feel as connected or engaged with the characters. Um, there there was you know a number of areas logically that I struggled with, and we'll get into those you know in a moment. But but really, you know, when you get into time travel and you get into the implications of it, and uh, and you know, the effects of, of what you're doing in the past. And, and it just seemed very, there didn't seem to be a lot of discipline to, to the rules of, of what they were doing, you know? And, and, and as I <laughs> said, we'll, we'll start diving yeah. into that more deeply. Um, I also felt like for Picard as a character, we have seen him kind of fall in love before back on the next generation. So I felt like some of where they were trying to go didn't quite add up um, given the history of the character. Mm -hmm. Uh, It felt like a bit of a reach, but at the same time, his character has remained thus far kind of on his own, you know, without, you know, a partner or family or anything like that. So I I do in a way understand it, but in another way, I feel like past, you know, history from from the very series that established him as as this, you know, iconic character um, was somewhat ignored uh, on on that front. Um, You know, I felt like the characters who, you know, you know, I think it's Rios, right? Rios and and Rafi were, were great. You know, I I felt like there were great original you know ca- you know characters. You know, Rafi was kind of no nonsense, and Rios was was a bit of a Han Solo ish kind of character. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, without being Han Solo, um, just just kind of in in a Star Trek way. Um, I felt this season Rafi was way over the top in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and and really felt like a different character from what she was in season one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she seemed a lot more cool, seemed a lot more you know, collected and, and this one, she's just like all over the map. And, you, you know, especially in the finale when she and six have their mo uh, or seven of nine have their moment and, and, you know, she's all like, well, what does this mean? And stuff. And I'm just like, it's just like, it, I mean, even, you know, they, they wrote it as such as like, you know, all right, just, just let it breathe, relax, you know, but, but, but that to me wasn't Rafi. Like that wasn't who she was in season one. You know, she wasn't that sort of like, you know, hyper, character she she was a lot more calm cool and collected um and so i you know so i felt like there were some areas with the characters that just felt like just a shift from where they were um Mm. and yeah the the other part like you mentioned was they they leaned on 
the the same crutch they've been leaning on for the last you know thirty some odd years since since next generation, which is the Borg. You know, yep. there there never seems to be a story that can be told unless the Borg are involved because the Borg seem to bring life and death, you know, galactic repercussions to to everything. And uh, and so I felt in a lot of ways, like you mentioned, it was kind of a another retread on a story we've all kind of seen before, you know, and 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 that felt a little odd. So. Yeah, so so that that's kind of what bothered me as well as, you know, what are the implications now moving forward? I mean, I don't really understand or, or you know, maybe there'll be some articles that come out that we will uh, litigate, debate and articulate in the uh, Week and Geek. But, you know, how does this now impact the timeline as we know it from TNG and from First Contact? I mean, is is Jurati the new board queen and therefore First Contact never happens? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, all, like, it. it messes things up a little doesn't it it, it, it in really a way does. that it didn't have to right and and then d- does that completely invalidate everything that happened with picard and the next generation crew and the borg during the series you know mm-hmm. like there's all these kind of questions i have now all because they decided to play a game of time yeah and and that's where i that's where a lot of it kind of felt you know like it wasn't executed very well yes and so I, those, are my, my, those are my opening salvos. And I agree with all of them. Um, so let's let's attack first of all. Uh, so this this is a series of what went wrong, because <laughs> because honestly, I ain't got a whole lot that went right. Um, and maybe maybe the man they call Tim can help me with that a little bit. I'll I, be I have the a ray of hope. I have a few things, but not not nothing that's worth meant. Like, see, here's the thing I, I've. And I, I posted this on Twitter. I, I yes, there are nits to be picked with Star Trek Discovery, and I know that because uh, I know that there's not there's people out there who are hardcore like Discovery fans. I know it's kind of a a hot button and has been since the show debuted. I'll take you know, Discovery has its nits to pick, and I've watched this the season premiere of Strange New Worlds, which again another one. There are nits to be picked just as there are with every single show. The problem here is that Picard season two, the nits are the size of fattened, well-fed raccoons. And it's not that they're being picked. Like you need a shotgun to get these some bitches. Like they are big and ravenous size nits. Yeah. It's, it's not even the same type of thing. It's not like, Oh, well I didn't really like this. It's like, here is a nit that is like causing in, they're weevils, for God's sake, locusts, you know. Um, so let's dive in here, first of all, with what went wrong, the premise. So really kind of the big setup here being that it's a time travel story, which uh, which to me is it's so overused. I mean, they they even had to set it up in the fracking season, you know, season premiere that, oh, yes, and Kirk's enterprise did it several times like we have to acknowledge that yeah time travel has been done to death and here it comes again like oh my gosh really and and to do it in such a generic way is was yeah. really kind of pissing me off because back when they, when you did the voyage home yes it's been done before but at the very least you kind of have it in this very different way of earth is in jeopardy kirk is an outlaw technically speaking because he's returning to earth in order to face trial for what you know the actions that he 
that he and his crew undertook in the previous movie. So you have that going where it's not Kirk is out to is not necessarily the purely good guy. Like he's an outlaw at this point because de facto, like he's heading back home for trial Mm -hmm. and they're in a Klingon bird of prey. So it's totally, it's at least a different setting. Yeah. And you got Spock who's still trying to kind of get all of his marbles back from, you know, coming back to life, which, you know, will knock a guy through a loop. So I've heard. Um, so you had something there that was oh, which again a, a, another one that is hilarious to me. Like oh, that in the in the Star Trek is so woke now is like dude, they were doing a movie about saving the whales back in the eighties. Come on now, yes. um, but the fact is, we now live in a world where you've seen Star Trek, Star Trek as a as a franchise itself use time travel twice in the past ten years. And do it way better than this with bigger stakes. Mm. And they chose to go the lazy 1980s, 1970s, 60s, whatever time travel route of, oh, well, we got to go back in time. And well, will we get back? And will we make everything the same as when we left? It's like, well, Mm. we've already seen that story in Star Trek a, a half dozen times at least. We've seen it in other movies hundreds of times at least you know and and people can can crap all over the jj abrams kelvin timeline star trek movies but damn if he didn't find an interesting way to use time travel to really give himself a fresh start and to really set things off in a different direction and give you a logical explanation of how time travel happening in in not a uh a way of oh well we've got to go back in time but of like oh my gosh this thing just happened and dropped in our laps and now everything is different that was a new and interesting way because it's like well geez really hadn't seen that happen before that's pretty interesting all right and it gave you it gave you a logical explanation for why we are now going to make things different i thought it was a great way of if, if for nothing else like that gives jj abrams star trek movies you know a whole lot of points in my book because you didn't do it the lazy way. You gave me something new and different, which is what I want to see in entertainment. And then you have Discovery using it uh, a couple seasons ago, again, in a, in a much higher stakes way of like, it's not like, oh, well, we have to travel in time and then we have to make it back. It's like, no, we're traveling. We're traveling in time and we ain't coming back. Yeah. And, and we don't know when we're going or where we're going, but we know that we have to go. Like that was to me, that's a much higher stakes situation. Like it's a one to bring out the uh, bring out the commander. It's a one way trip. You know, it's that is much higher stakes than this, Mm -hmm. you know, because not for one moment did you think that, oh, well, they're not going to get back. No, because it's just generics time travel story a. So it's they're definitely coming back. Um, I mean, it's it's and then of course you also get into the the other trope that that Star Trek loves to fall in love with, which is the mirror universe where you know the human race developed along different ways and it became extremely xenophobic and warlike and all that. And it's like okay, yeah, I get it because well, <laughs> just look at the freaking world around us, but it's been done to death. Like it's lazy. You don't even have to work at it. You just go back and rewatch two or three different episodes, you know, two or three, four, five different episodes of Star Trek, and it's written itself for you. Yeah. Again, damn it, give me something new. Like, don't just fall back on the same 
silly timelines. Like even when Star Trek Discovery did that, at least they were like, oh, it's a completely different universe. It's not an alternate future. It's not this. It's not that. It's like this is an alternate universe. Okay. All right. Well, this is kind of interesting, but you know, you better give me something kind of new along the way with this as well. And they did. And that was the thing that I think Star Trek Discovery did well. They took chances. I don't feel like they took a lot of chances with this show. This show was this series was so fracking safe. It was kind of boring to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to, yeah, it, it, to me, like the, the, the use of time travel and then kind of that whole idea of like, oh, and here's the alternate future where, you know, the human race bad. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is so lazy. Really? I mean, come on. Yeah, you you got you've got. I mean, I know there's good writers in there. I know you. I know they can hire good writers, and but this is it. Like, did somebody just basically did? I'm wondering if this was like an an edict from up top, like, and this is how this this is how the the season's going to go, and the writers are like, well, can we change anything? No, okay, well, <laughs> got to pay that mortgage, so I guess I'm writing a time travel story in the most yeah. generic way possible and cashing my check. Yep. I don't know, but oh my gosh, I'd love to know if that's a, if that's the reason, but to me it was just lazy. And that and that and that's a bad start for your show. Like when when kind of like the 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 way that the story is is going to be told is already like <laughs> that's bad. So then we get to our next what went wrong, which is hey, how Actually, about the story could, itself? Could, oh wait, could, go j- just just to throw in on on the time travel thing. I mean, if, yes, you, if you really think about it, they they did kind of go to the well, right? In in three ways, and and we've already kind of said this, so I'm not saying anything new. But but to summarize, they went to time travel, they went to the mm-hmm. Borg, and they went with Q. Now on paper, if you do those, you know, three things or two out of those three things. You, you know, you should have a winner. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, except don't. if you do two out of three and it involves time travel in the Borg, you have Star Trek First Contact. Indeed. Like Indeed. literally with a bunch of the same characters. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and and um, kind of the same mission. Like, okay. Yeah, I I think this was kind of a story of them wanting to do kind of a deep dive into maybe an area of Picard's character that wasn't explored too deeply. And they, they, they kind of explored it a little bit in the movies, which was the wrong place to do it. You know, like, like Picard had a few episodes where, and this is in TNG when, you know, he had romantic interests and, you know, Mm. basically because of his position as, as captain and the responsibilities decided to not pursue those things because, you know, duty to the office is what he was, you know, adhering to and, and what, you know, ultimately would, would win the day. Uh, and so he, he ended up, um, you know, walking away from a number of those things. Um, so I, I, I can see that they were trying to go in a direction of, and, oh, and then in the movies, like in Generations, um, which was always weird because they made such a big deal of it in Generations. And then for the rest of the Star Trek movies with the TNG cast, I don't think it was ever broached again was the fact that he is the last of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he is the last Picard and, you know, his brother and, and his, and his nephew uh, die in some horrific accident in on the vineyard. And, uh, and so, you know, he is the last of, of his name and that is never, you know, touched upon again. Nope. Um, but, but, 
again, the movie wasn't the right place to start exploring that part of Picard because in a movie you have what, two hours to kind of tell your story and you've got to be pretty Mm -hmm. judicious about what you're going deep on. And so, um, so I, I can appreciate what they were trying to do, but I just don't, you know, again, I think it comes back to the execution and the paradigms they chose to frame the deep dive that they were trying to do. Yeah, agreed. And, and, and that actually is not the right thing. So No, and but that actually kind of ties, that, that leads right into kind of the next point was, you know, in, in what went wrong, and it's the story. Mm-hmm. Because that idea of, of exploring you know, Picard's love life or lack thereof, or his, his personal side and all that. There's so many storylines going on in this show that, and that none of them were cared for very well. And none of them were discernible as the a story. And that's a big ass problem because it wasn't even like they could figure out like, okay, for the beginning, like this is the, and it's not like there was a couple of stories, you know, you got to have like the main story. I couldn't figure out what the main story was because honestly, the A story isn't going to disappear for t- for like three episodes at a time, which is what every single story in this show did. Like just would just completely disappear for three weeks at a time. Then all of a sudden, oh, and hey, this is a thing still like, OK, if it's if it's like the main story, it's got to be present in some way shape or form as a driving force throughout this throughout the season and nothing really fit the bill it was i mean it was like a it was like it was story by committee and if you're a fan of a sports team that has ever had something quote unquote by committee you know it sucks Red Sox fans uh, to this day will have a shiver down their spine when someone mentions bullpen by committee and what that means. Or if you're if you're a football person, like, oh, we're, we're going to have a running back by committee. In other words, you haven't got squat, so you're going to c- try and squash all this. You don't have a like an all star. You don't have a you don't have a singular good player. So you're going to take a bunch of mediocre ones, mash them together, and pretend like, oh, see, it's going to be better. No, it ain't. It's going to stink. And that's what happens here. You know, I mean. You've got you've got yet another deep dark secret from Picard, which, by the way, actually rewrites some of his personal history and mm-hmm. not very well. It screws up the story of first contact by st- by establishing that Vulcans have been on Earth before the first first warp flight. And also, like you said, like, OK, now Girardi has been the Borg queen for the past 400 years. Which again brings up some interesting thoughts of like, okay, how long is that human tissue good for? Like, ew. Um, <laughs> you know, but so how does this not invalidate every single encounter with the Borg before this? Because then John Lou, if, if the Borg are now like a kinder, gentler Borg with Girardi as their queen, Jean Luc was never Locutus. Right. The, then the, the Starfleet has probably never really encountered the Borg in the same way. And yet, they come back to the future and nothing has changed, which, right. I mean, it would be a vastly different scenario, don't you think? Yeah. Without those yep. encounters against the Borg. But no, it isn't. Um, and, and then, of course, you've got like the whole Europa mission thing, which is laughable because it's like, well, this Europa mission is important. Why? Reasons. Well, what are those reasons? It's just important. 
And it's so, and, and oh my gosh, and it's so important that it's not really mentioned like how important it, like I forgot. I mean, I've got a, I've got a pretty good memory for this. Like, I'm a geek. Like, I remember this stuff. Minutia is my business. It's my lifeblood. I couldn't tell you what the hell the Europa mission was about. Yeah. Like, it made that much of an impact on me. And and partly because I was trying to keep track of all this crap because I'm trying to figure out, like, well, what the hell's the main story here? And that's before you even get in a queue. And what and what the hell he's doing by setting this whole thing in motion. And then the Borg and then this and that. And you got Sung and you got – I was like – what am I really supposed to be paying attention to here? And it's just like, well, whatever we tell you to this week. Well, I'm sorry, but that isn't the way good storytelling works. Like you didn't do that last season. Like last season actually felt coherent. This season, it's like, mm. what the hell's going on? It's almost like they wrote, a, like everybody wrote all these different episodes and then they had to and like almost edit them all together at the last minute and figure out how to make them work. Because there was times when just stuff would disappear. It's the weirdest freaking thing, dude. I got to say, though, I, I liked villainous Brent Spiner. Well, I yeah, probably, because I know it probably wasn't executed effectively, but I thought it was kind of a nice touch, even though Data is now as a character dead and gone. It was kind of cool to have Brent Spiner on the show still as one of the Soongs, but we've we've never really seen him. Well, I shouldn't say that. He 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 was villainous as lore, you know, kind of the evil Data. But yeah. um but to see him kind of play more of a, a, a villain character, uh, you know, who's who's just very conniving and very, you know, just 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 evil. You know, I mean, just like every episode that he was in, there was some other way that he was just, you know, kind of portrayed as being, you know, whether it was being a mad scientist or being, you know, secretive about what he was doing with, you know, his his daughter or his, you know, set of clones he was creating. Um I just thought it was kind of cool that they they brought him in, but had him play you know a character that was just you know very different from what he typically was was doing. Which I'll grant you that. However, the problem I have is it the performance is wasted because they also made him the dumbest, like conniving bad guy you can. Yeah. Because I mean, there, there's so many. There, there's at least two or three times in this in the, in in the show. Again, where you have like some of these incredibly smart people acting completely stupid for no good reason, you know, and, and it's like, OK, I now you've completely undercut that character because now this incredibly smart person now just looks like a complete bunghole. Like what? Yeah. OK, yeah, that's great. Built them right up. And now they, they might as well be over in the corner with a dunce hat. Like, OK, great. Um, but I, 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 I hold that thought. Cause when we get to the antagonist, I do want to discuss, uh, you know, more, you know, bad Brent because he is, he, to me, he was one of the talents. He is one of the actors, uh, who was wasted in this show. I mm. think could have, could have been better. I, I do also want to bring up, um, uh, when, if we're talking story, like I didn't even, I did not fully understand, the whole idea of seven of nine losing, you know, her, her, her Borg implants only to get them again. Oh yeah. That was fantastic. How that just was like, I thought that was part of the process. Yeah. I thought that was part of the process of them jumping realities or timelines or something like that. And then to have it end up where she's mortally wounded and the only way she can be fixed is if they reattach the same 
you know, implants essentially in the same places they were before. And I'm just like, yeah, none of which was where the wound was. Well, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Like, again, if like the wound, if like, oh, she was because she was like, it was like a gut shot, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was. It was like a gut shot. And and then, but that implant around her eye saved her. Like, yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. She was wounded down here in the abdomen, not in the, not in the eyeball. Like what, 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 what up there is helping her down here? Yeah. Like I, yeah, again, just nonsense. Absolutely. (sighs) This is an exercise and I'm getting angrier as we go. But anyways, (laughs) this is all for you, dear listeners. Um, Next thing up is what went wrong? The crew. Oh, dear, sweet God. It's like everybody had a lobotomy after season one. Like, I mean. Holy Picard! Rios was a captain. Yeah, yeah, and apparently he he you know he was a captain, but apparently also couldn't wipe himself, uh, given the what he's demonstrating here. Um, like in the first episode, they get they go back to the future, you know, and uh, you know, back to the whatever fracking thing they do. They they slingshot around the sun because again, we have to see that. And, and not even done as well. Like, at least, again, when, when we saw it in Star Trek Four, it was kind of dramatic and, like, you hadn't seen that before and there was an air of danger to it, even though you're like, well, we're only 20 minutes in the movie. I doubt the whole cast is going to die. They're not yeah. going to roll credits at the 30-minute mark. But it, there was still some tension there. Like, them going back, you know, it just felt like, meh, okay, here's a replay. Uh, just with better, you know, computer-generated effects. Right. But anyways, they get they get back to where they're to where they're going. And Picard lays out the rules for time travel and the, the stakes of butterfly effects. And to stay away from authority figures and, and and medical and hospitals and all these rules are laid out. And then immediately every single member of the crew breaks every single rule with zero consequences, including Including Rios beaming his girlfriend and and her son onto the fracking ship. But hey, no problem. It's cool, y'all. Like, nobody even admonishes him for that. Like, Rios, not only did you get arrested and get, like, x-rayed and go to the doctor, but then you brought the doctor lady back to the ship. And nobody says squat. Because he loves her. I don't give a Freaking hoot in hell. And, now, and, and, and oh, by the way, the other weird thing about this show is like, is it just me or is like, like, does Rio suffer from the Maximoff effect? Like the, 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 um, the accent is like the most inconsistent thing in the world. Mm. It is, it is crazy. Like the, the, where the accent swings, comes and goes and just, I, I don't know. Anyways, the small problem, but it, it always bugged me. But yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Like everybody on the show is a dumb dumb. Um, but the, you can't the, fault Rios for how he first gets transported though into the city. Oh no, because that was he actually got transported great. and basically fell like face first into a grate and then falls. <laughs> fall that was like midair. That was actually great because at least then I'm like, okay, you're you're giving me a plausible reason why that's going to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got that. Like, okay, I I mean, you know that someone is going to, but it was the fact that every single person on the crew broke those rules or just outright told somebody that they're from the future or whatever. Like, it wasn't just one person. It was done taken to the extreme, and it's like they might as well have printed it in the L.A. Times. 
you know yeah yeah um i the one that really pissed me off oh my gosh crew members having zero problems dealing with 21st century technology that would be completely antiquated to them without and there's no explanation of how they know this it would be like me and you having to go back and work a steam engine yep would you know how to do that like nope. just offhand like oh yeah and this internet woo no, you wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know that. No one would know that. It's like, but but they, you know, seven of nine and, and Rafi hop into a car and she's like, pulls away like she's been doing it all her life. Like that, she wouldn't know know that. Well, seven of nine did struggle at the wheel. I mean, in, in the beginning. I mean, she, she well, was I mean, all over the place. A little bit, but she knew how to start the car and reverse drive, like, Mm. yeah she was running into stuff and like in the wrong lane like traffic laws but she knew how to you, you wouldn't know how to run that yeah that's completely different than than anything they're even remotely uh, aware of like i mean rafi at the, at the freaking season finale zero knowledge of the tech and saying just get me a, a scissors or pliers or whatever and she's gonna hotwire the drones mm-hmm. and saying oh well they're they're wired to blow if we try and stop them but then proceeds to continue hot wiring them anyways with some BS about the subroutines, which I'm like, because, of course, it's freaking Star Trek. We got to talk about subroutines. That's the magic, the secret sauce that makes everything go away is I'm going to reroute the subroutines, whatever. We never hear about the actual routines. It's always the subroutines, you know, Ugh. Uh, but um. <laughs> But then she manages to actually figure it out, even though she's like, well, if I can if I can if I can hotwire them before they leave, then we can take control of them. They all leave. But somehow she still hotwires them and completely invalidates what she just said 30 seconds before. Mm -hmm. Then like Rios is using controls completely unfamiliar to him, but somehow knocks all three of the other drones out. No problem. Oh, it's great. All right. Heroes Um, to the rescue. Sure. Why not? You know, so fracking stupid. And even like Rios, like then rewiring the transporter to go to go back to Chateau Picard, where, by the way, it's always night. Did you notice that? Like this story takes place over a couple of days, but yet it's always nighttime in France. Well, never daylight to see the gigantic fracking ship laying out in the field. There's a romance. But I mean, it, it, it's all just it, and and not to mention, like they had so little to do with Elnor. They just killed his ass in the first episode. Like, yeah, we haven't got anything for you. We Come back at like the finale and we'll figure out something for you to do. That's it. Like they they, well, they couldn't figure out what to do with him. And, and, and that was a, what I found kind of interesting there was I felt like there was a bit of a inconsistency with Picard's character, because at least if season one is any sort of indicator I, f- I thought Picard had a very close relationship with him. Yep. And instead it's Rafi who's all torn up about it. And Picard is just all business. He's like, well, sad we lost Elnor. Moving right along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is, which, uh, uh, which felt very uh, weird uh, to me given, given what they established in season one. So, yeah, which, okay. So that actually, again, once again, you're like, setting me right up in the next one so what went wrong let's come to jl himself jean-luc picard good old jl oh dear god uh, anyways uh you know where jl's at 
You know, the funny thing is, like, I, I can just by saying that, like, I know that Jimmy Dice somewhere has a twitch because he hated that so much. JL, he hated that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, yeah. Um, But OK, so we get down to Jean-Luc. He is absolute emotional Teflon. Nothing sticks to this guy, which makes it really hard to care about him as a main character. Because like, like he carries no emotion, nothing. There's no emotional weight. It's like when you like the difference between CGI and and done well and done poorly is when you see a character that is completely CGI and yet they feel like they have weight in the in the scenery. Like they look like they fit like they're they're planted there like they are part of that thing. That's when, you know, CGI like Thanos in yeah. Marvel movies yeah. was always really well done because you you actually felt like that was a character living and breathing in that scene. Emotionally, Picard has no weight. Like mm. in in season 1, I felt like there was actually something there. Like he, the, he carried weight with him like you said with Elnor with a uh, with a what's her face, uh Cora. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there was an emotional weight. Here yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. Elnor bites it. Oh well, next. Oh, is the replicator working? I'd like some tea. Earl Grey, hot. No? Oh, well. Anyways, like, just moving right along for everything. I'll, and that- I'll have to see if there's a YouTube clip of it, but there, there's an episode of Frasier where they redo an old radio show, and and it just devolves into just complete chaos because he's trying to control everything. And the best part is he gives the six minor characters to his brother who at some point finally gets fed up with him over directing him and just goes, goes along and just kills off all the characters in, in the play. Cause he's just so sick and tired of what he's doing. And that when, and, and so I can't do it justice unless I'll try to send you a link so you can put it in the show notes, but nice. in, in, in the radio show, they use, you know, balloons and popping them to be the gunshots. Mm-hmm. And so at one point he's like, you know, this character pop, you know, like gunshot. Thank you. And he goes on to the next one. Yep. You're done. <laughs> Boom. Thank you. You know, just keeps going uh, just through the list of the cast. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt like Picard was with, 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 uh, with Elnor. Elnor's dead. Thank you. Moving right along. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even when you get to like his big, deep, dark secret of, you know, of his mother, you know, committing suicide. Yeah. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like there was any sort of thing that was crippling him or he doesn't he doesn't really express any of that. Yeah. Like you get none of it. And it's like well, how I, I mean he got when I mean for crying out loud going back to freaking first contact seeing seeing Picard actually wear an emotion and wear it well much better there and i get it like patrick stewart's an older guy right now but he's also an incredibly accomplished actor yeah and i to me it feels like i don't know like they didn't give him enough to work with to actually like set up the character the dialogue or whatever to really show like Mm -hmm. this this troubles the guy or that he's because i mean the whole idea that like he's been relieved of this guilt Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't really feel like there was any guilt there. Like he was wearing any guilt anyways. How is he going to be relieved of it? It's like someone picked a, a hair off of his shoulder. It wasn't like this these chains on him or anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, here's a little speck of dirt. Oh, see, aren't you relieved? Not really. It wasn't anything to be relieved from. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it didn't bother him when Elnor really died. I mean, the whole thing with his mother really didn't affect him. You know, I mean, he had the verbal back and forth with uh, with Callus. 
But I mean that it didn't go anywhere on a real emotional level. Like, I mean, the thing that Picard kind of does in this episode, in this series is he gets agitated, but that's really it. Yeah. You know, gosh, it's just, it's, it's annoying when, when it's like, here is the title character. Here is the entire, the, the sun that this entire solar system of characters and story is rotating around. And you don't believe that he has emotions. Not mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Like that's the one character that you cannot F up in terms of emotional weight. And I feel like they did. And again, it hurts even worse because you've seen that character have those emotions. You've seen that character bear emotional weight. You've seen him go through stuff. Yeah. And here it's just like, meh. Well, thanks. Can't argue. <laughs> glad, with it. I, glad I spent a lot of time invested in that character. Yep. Um, and I yep. mean, and again, and, uh, it just makes you feel dumb, you know, because he, it feels like the character's dumb. Like, oh, oh, like the fact that Jean-Luc Picard, the man who is intensely proud and aware of his family heritage and history, you know, espounds upon, oh, yes, and this, you know, underground uh, passageways were used for the French resistance in the in World War Two and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and these bullet marks were the same place. So the the future is changing and all like he's aware of all this stuff, but somehow he doesn't know that Rene Picard, his like relative, was the pilot for the Europa mission. Mm. How is that even possible? Like, dude. I can venture actually I can venture a theory. Your job is in space. Your your like great great grandmother, whatever, great aunt, whoever, was like part of this Euro, this mission that was so important to the human race that you gotta go back in time to make sure it succeeds. I I, I And can you don't know who it is? I can offer okay, an explanation. I'd, I would love to hear this. Uh well no, I mean it it goes back to first contact. Like we, we have to like you have to remember that you know, this century that we're in, which is what Picard was placed in, was prior to a nuclear war. And so it very much could have been that there was some loss of historical record so that he may not have known that he had a relative who flew that mission because when in first contact, when they find Zephyr and Cochran, right, he's part of a small band of people who are survivors basically of that. Okay, well, I'll buy that, but then in, so, in some so that, way, shape, or form, th- right? That's where I think that I, I, I'm simply th- throwing that out as as a theory because I believe mm-hmm. you could explain it that way. Now, that's not to say that when that happened, all history was lost. Yeah, so no, it could very think... well be that there is some record of that. But I could see mm-hmm. them make an argument or frame the story that way that when whatever happened that caused the cataclysm that led into the 22nd century um, before Cochrane, that in, you know, that, that could be a gap that's there because the world kind of went into a dark age for a short period of time. And you know what? I, I, I think that's a great explanation and I would have loved to have gotten some more of that, but it feels like, again, it, it was right. just so easy for them to get information once they showed up in the 21st century that like, right. oh, and here and da 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 Yeah. And here it is all lined up like there was no effort involved. Yeah. OK, yeah. well, then why do I care? Like it, it, it felt like everything was just so damn easy. Yeah. And it, just it, go straight ahead. The explanation doesn't 
doesn't subvert or or contradict what you're saying. I, I you know, to, to me, that's that is a, a speck of what you're you're basically getting to there. You know, your points are well taken because, yeah, there, there that was a feeling you got like there, there just was a lack of Jean-Luc Picard to Jean-Luc Picard. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, an, another little bone of contention and one that I I would love to see if you can explain this one away. But yeah. exactly where in the hell is Jean-Luc's older brother, Robert, in all of this? So that goes back to what I mentioned earlier in Generations. So in Generations, one of the threads they pull is Robert and his son, um, Jean-Luc's nephew, are killed in a fire. Well, yeah, but that's that's when Robert is an older man. No, the so you're asking no, where Robert when? For, well, no, because for... we see Jean Luc's we see Jean Luc's brother as an old man in Next Generation in TNG, like towards the end right. of that show. So yep. we know he gets to old age. So therefore, yes. he had to be a young child at some point. He's Jean Luc's oh, brother. You're asking where his older brother was in the flashbacks. Yeah, like oh, Jean Luc okay. well, is, is is a young kid, like what ten, I 10 you years old. In the time in the time period he was in. No, no, I mean like back okay. in the flashbacks when it feels gotcha. like Jean Luc is an only child. So we're just rewriting the history because his older brother, who is, and they, they never state exactly how old he is, but he's not that much older that he wouldn't at least come up in conversation, right, or be around. Yeah, but no, it's just mom is all focused on Jean Luc. Jean Luc in this in this show is an only child. It's like that's a pretty big effing detail. Yeah, to miss for your main character could have been in boarding school. Maybe, but again, like, <laughs> good God, some sort of explanation. And if he's at yeah. boarding school, then how come Jean Luc isn't? Yeah, you know, I mean, because yeah. if you're gonna if you're taking that tact with your kid, I mean, uh, maybe you explain that. Hey, Robert is a real dirtbag. Okay, well, fine. Again, at least thank you. <laughs> like, oh, Robert. Oh, yeah, he's a meth head. We had to send him away. Okay, fine. At least we explained it now. Like you show him in a little picture or something. I don't care. Whatever. But he doesn't exist. Like Jean-Luc, for the purposes of the show, is an only child. Yeah. yeah. And it's yet another part. This is like you don't need to do that. But because you're so you're so focused on like, well, we got to get to this story and this story because you got so many irons in the fire. It's like. Take a couple of those irons out. It should have been done the edit of the of the stories that when you were putting these scripts together. Like, actually, it, it should have gone right at the very beginning of establishing the premise of the show, mm. which actually I'm, I'm, I finally dovetailed into one of my own points. Um, so we next thing I want to talk about is what went wrong. The antagonist to me, excuse me, there's no there's no real establishment of who's the primary antagonist. Mm. Because Q disappears for half the series. That's fair. Yeah. And the Borg is kind of there, but even the Borg Queen kind of comes and goes and is here and there and everywhere. Mm -hmm. So there's no real like establishment of who's the antagonist. My, the, right off the bat, there is one too many antag antagonists in this show. It should have either been a Borg story or it should have been a Q story. We don't need both. We certainly don't need both. Not not if you're going to also bring along old man Sung to come in as your as your like you know Destro to whoever is Cobra Commander. <laughs> like you don't Destro, <laughs> which arguably Destro is the much more competent leader. Destro should have been in charge of things, and he sounded cooler too. Yes, Cobra yeah. Commander. 
which yes. is funny because Destro was meant to be Scottish, so it should have been, you know, hey, Cobra Commander, you know, it should have, you know, with a kilt and stuff. That would have been awesome. That would um, been great. Oh, it's so good. Um, but- Cobra Commander, you crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> have like have have a have a have like a you know a squad of bagpipers every time he comes in. <laughs> oh, that'd have been great. I want to see that version of GI Joe now. Anyways, um, but if you're gonna have Sung in there, you don't need Q and the Borg. To me, what would have been that, and that's a decision that should have been made right at the outset. Like we don't need both of these here. If you want to do a Borg story. And to me, this is kind of more of a Borg story. Like, I know that Q sets the whole thing in motion by, you know, the snap of the fingers. And, oh, now Earth is this other thing that we've already seen two dozen times in Star Trek. If you're going to do a Borg story, then do a Borg story. And then, you know what? Save Q for season three, because we already know that they shot season three, apparently back to back with season two. So we're getting season three no matter what. And I think it's actually going to be sooner rather than later. I think we might actually get season three towards the end of this year. Nice. Um, I don't know about nice. I'm just, I don't know what the hell they're going to do for season three. Like that's apparently it's supposed to be three seasons and that's going to be it, which is a, a good because I mean, how much more is Sir Patrick going to really want to, to work? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. But they're already bringing back all of the whole band. So, I mean, one or the other, like if this is going to be Q, okay, then next season's the Borg. And I mean, either one of those could have worked. And I think honestly, like <sighs> you, you save this story, you know, or you save Q for the end and then you have the whole warm huggy moment with Q and that's kind of the, the wrap up to Picard and Q and whatever. Anyway, but, but whichever one it is, one per season, you don't need both of them. And it just turned into this horrible mess where you didn't really know who was supposed to be the big bad. And that's yeah. a, Another one of those things where it's like, dude, you you can't muck up your main character, your title character. It's like having Spider-Man and screwing up Spider-Man. You can't do it. Ask Sam Raimi how how that worked out for him in Spider-Man 3 when you start mucking around with the main character. Doesn't work out well. You know, you can't muck with the main character and you can't you have to know who the big bad is. Again, you have you have bad guys by committee but usually there's at least one who you're kind of like okay that's that's the that's the primary mm-hmm. and then you have your mm-hmm. followers you know yeah, you gotta and they they just didn't establish that you know q starts the whole thing and then he seems to realize he's dying in the middle but it felt like they almost realized that along the way and then never went back and edited the beginning to make sure that you kind of that q actually knew that at the beginning or that it was actually intended from the beginning because it kind of contradicts his primary motivation in the first place in some ways. In, well, in, in some ways it makes sense and in other ways it doesn't. You know what I mean? I mean, um, I, I kind of took what happened there is like even he was surprised by like he, I took it as he knew all along what was going on, but I think he was surprised by how, you know, maybe how fast it was happening. You know, like like he he even mentions in the finale that you know he he had intentions of of sending them back, but he 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 only has so much energy. So it's about it's like an energy thing, you know. Um, Which again is it, it's the I like that I like that better than than what we kind of got because, but you don't get that because 
you're, you're splitting time with the Borg, so you don't get a real examination of what it's all like. You have to have it in head canon, you know, or head story, and fill in the blanks. It's like no, that you shouldn't have to do that with your primary bad guy. That should be kind of part of the story. Mm-hmm. If it isn't, I, you done you done messed up. I, I I do agree. Having him, you know, kind of appear and then disappear for several episodes just felt uneven. You know, because yeah. There wasn't enough of, of, you know, with each episode that went by before his next appearance, there there wasn't enough plot to really drive it forward because it was kind of turning into this, like, you know, adventure in the 21st century sort of thing. But to your point, the stakes just didn't feel high enough, you know, and... Yeah, because you didn't spend enough time with him. And then they, and quite honestly, they always did the flash away to the Borg. Right. And then quite honestly, like you had mentioned before because they they should have been very constrained in what they could do so they they did not impact you know the timeline any more than they needed to you know that that that's kind of a limitation you know that that they had to kind of work with but then of course didn't really acknowledge you know what i mean yeah yeah it uh, it, it was it's it's one of those deals where it's like well you know like you say you, you take the time to explain it's like well then how come you didn't give me that in the story yeah. Well, we had to. We always had to go back to Agnes and her her battle with the Borg Queen. Well, that's where you effed up. Because if you don't have time enough to spend with one of your bad guys to actually explain why the why the entire thing was set in motion, and to fill in those blanks, you done messed up in a really big way. And and that's like that's fatal usually for a story. And I feel like it is here. And the, the reason why I think that people are giving it a pass is because they're like, Oh, I never thought we'd see Picard with Q because of the, the nostalgia. And I mean, this whole thing is nostalgia, but it, the problem is then you tried to layer two more layers of nostalgia on top of the already thick layer of nostalgia of, of exploring the further adventures of Jean-Luc Picard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, it just gets so muddied that you have to start doing things like this where you have to explain it out in your head instead of like actually having a, having the writers write the story out, you know? Right. And, and to me, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big sin as a, as a writer when you're, when you're leaving that much for the, the audience to fill in, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we get to good old, old man Sung, um, who like, like he, Brent Spiner did a great job chewing scenery and playing the bad guy, but the problem is that his character seems way too dumb because he seems far too comfy letting his his uh, experiment on two legs just simply walk away, not trying to track her down, not trying to figure out where she's gone or stop her, you know, an APB perhaps, I don't know, uh, anything for this thing that he spent years of his life, and I'm imagining a lot of money on, and had his entire f- legacy on, and he just sort of like, huh, that sucks. Really? Yeah, he, he was going to be immortalized in the, uh, in that alternate future that he was promised, you know what I mean? But still. It speaks just gonna, to the greed of the soon. You're, gonna, you're just going to let your, your experiment, also a.k.a. a ticking time bomb, just walk away and let, let them be your undoing. Like, fantastically smart character and acting in incredibly stupid ways completely undermining like any kind of threat that they really are and and then even even worse than that and that's pretty bad even worse than that 
so so Girardi go ahead goes ahead and borgifies all the mercenaries who might as well they might as well just put them in red shirts because you know like they're all going to die something bad going to happen to them yeah they and they go to Chateau Picard again in the middle of the night because as we know it's always midnight in France <laughs> the romance we oui, oui. the romance and the mist coming off this off the uh, vineyard I don't know so. I gotta say we we've been quite global on this show because we we've had a Scottish destro and now we yep. have uh, you know the the France uh, re- explanation for the rain at Chateau Picard. Yeah, and and the best part about this is all they got to do is kill Picard, right? That's all you got to do: kill Picard and the crew, and keep the ship because the Borg Queen needs the ship. So we have all the crew. In the chateau. None of them are on the ship. The Borg Queen is on the ship. She has control of the ship. All you got to do is kill the crew. Bing, bang, boom, you're done. Mm -hmm. What do we do? Well, we're going to wander around and play hide and go seek with a bunch of yahoos from the future who are essentially unarmed. Instead of, oh, I don't know, using the weapons on the ship to just blow up the damn house. Oh, I don't know, just going freaking complete skyfall and just machine gunning the living snot out of the entire like patio where they're all hanging out behind a couple of wine barrels. You want to go like all Thanos on them? Now we're just going to go ahead and we're going to do a search from and we're going to make sure we have that nice little green laser so that you can see them coming. Because, mm-hmm. you know, all these upgrades apparently just made these highly trained mercenaries way dumber than they started out with. They mm-hmm. would have been better off without the Borg implants. Because, I mean, 21st century mercenaries probably would just be like, you know, you'd have Sung halfway through his speech. Ah, yes, Picard. And what was that? We just took care of the problem. See all of them? They're all a bunch of grease spots. We're done. We're heading home. Where, by the way, you're transferring that. You're gonna Venmo me, okay? Cash app? What, what? What? Okay, either one. Yeah, go talk to go talk to Tommy about that. It would have been over and done, but no. Instead, we're gonna go play hide and seek down in the cellar and all that. <sighs> Not to mention, you got like the friggin' phaser that Rios grabs from the Romulan Watcher that is like, oh, it's imprinted with DNA because that's never been a thing in Star Trek, but now it's a thing and Rios knew about it, which they never explained how he knew about that or that or, or how it would have been imprinted with his DNA in the first place. And then, of course, like, oh, it's going to blow up and Sung throws it like two feet into the air and it has this little and it doesn't wound anybody because there's no shrapnel. It's like. Seriously, like how stupid do you have to really be like, how stupid are you thinking I am as a mm. as a as a viewer for this? Oh my gosh. And I mean, that's before you even get the friggin' Borg, which is like such a weird friggin' like the Borg Queen on one hand was kind of cool, was very conniving, and and her and Agnes kind of doing the battle of the wits was was very it was interesting. But then you start getting into this weird thing like, oh well, Agnes is fighting and it's the Borg needs the adrenaline to to get the 
to the nanos to surge through. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like it's it's like going into Star Wars and we're getting into midichlorians now. Like, oh, we're going to try and explain this that she needs to break the window because that's going to get that's going to get the blood flowing and Agnes out more or whatever. And then, but then they never mention it again. Yeah. I, uh, so damn frustrating just to watch like that whole thing just like just things getting tossed out and then forgotten tossed out and then forgotten tossed out and then forgotten mm-hmm. it's like was anybody editing this was anybody kind of wrangling all this at all or was this just like uh, uh, i don't anyways. know doesn't seem like it <sighs> so then we get to Oh, did you did you have a point you wanted to throw in there? Do you have anything no, positive really. for me here? Not okay. really. I, I mean, I, I uh, you know, it's it, it's hard. I, I'm kind of jumping in and, and throwing uh, maybe some some minor defenses for some things when when there is a place to do it. But no, I mean, your your points are all right on. And you know, you think about. Um, I mean, one thing I'll say about about Brent Spiner's character. You know, as you were talking, and I was thinking about it. You know, the whole storyline with you know, his, his cloned, you know, daughter was really just, you know, thinking about the whole like 10 episodes really didn't go anywhere. You know what I no. mean? Like, no, he, it just kind of like ended for reasons. He, he became kind of a big bad guy because the Borg queen was going to appropriate him to kind of be the savior of, you know, whatever future was going to be created if they could just stop you know, Picard's, uh, you know, ancestor from, from going on the flight. Um, but when it came to his daughter, I mean, and, and we'll get to that in the finale in a moment. Um, yeah, just kind of a strange, strange tangential storyline that was there that really had no bearing on what was going on in, in kind of the, the overall, like, you know, narrative of, of the 10 episodes. Yeah. So, it was, it was simply there strange. to establish like he bad, yeah, but it it undercuts it again because it's like, well, he bad, and and what did this have to do with anything? Yeah, well, it yeah. didn't. But he's a, it means he's a bad man. Well, that's great. I mean, and bad people can do many bad things in many different areas. But for the purpose of a story, of of something that I want to watch or read, mm-hmm. like you got to show me why in context they're bad, and right. and make it kind of tie together a little bit and if it doesn't tie together then give me a reason why it doesn't tie together because that in and of itself can be an interesting thing like and here's just something out of left field that is wacky about this person and and it doesn't tie together with anything but here let me kind of you know make space for it and then it can inform you like oh my gosh this person is really crazy but you don't have the time in there and it doesn't appear like there was any thought into it so ah, eh, what the hell it just ends because we said so mm. right Okay, fine. Which finally gets us to the the finale, which I was going in to with essentially like you're going to have to really give me something here to pull this out of the hole because I'd already made up my mind after the whole like shootout episode. I'm like, this is like a gigantic smoking turd coming into space stock right now. I don't know that we're going to be able to put a polish on this or anything like this is this is not looking good. Um, so what went wrong? The finale. Well, first of all, let's just get down to some numbers. Um, this basically suffered from, uh, what was the third, 
Lord of the Rings movie. Return called. of the King. Yeah, this it, it suffered from Return of the King itis in that just didn't know where to end this damn thing. I mean, we got the whole the main story is kind of tied up in 20 minutes of a 50 minute episode. And then we get 30 minutes of epilogue. Mm-hmm. And it, and and let's just first of all, let's just look at the the complete insane, stupid. Again, let's just make it super easy and straightforward for no good reason to get the thing because we've already wasted so much time. So we have to make this quick. <sighs> the Europa mission goes off as planned because the Watcher gets her moment. She gets killed by Sung with this fast acting poison again my sarcat the most sarcastic air quotes you can possibly put up i'm putting around fast acting poison because it's so fast acting does it kill her right there hell no it don't kill her right there she manages to drag herself down a couple of hallways and outside to the veranda where jean luc is and she manages to collapse there and in the meantime where she sees him and he says, thank you. And in the meantime, Renee goes from like the prep room where there's not a spacesuit anywhere. It's like a it's like the the freaking lounge. I'm surprised there wasn't like a coffee pot off to the side. She's like in her flight suit, not in a spacesuit or anything, not the thing that we see later on. Manages to again the fast acting poison. She manages to go and get her spacesuit on, get to the launch pad, and get in, and the countdown happens in like five minutes. So that the Watcher and Jean-Luc can watch the thing go up, and Jean-Luc can be like, look, see? She made it. Oh, you're dead? Oh, well. Next! Thank Um, you! Guess I gotta get back to the chateau. You know, it's like... Remember on it's, USA it's Network, primetime wrestling, fast, acting, to acting? Well, Every I mean, time you say fast, acting, that's what I think. Fast, acting, to acting. Oh, my gosh. And, and, the, and of course, you know, then Rios decides that he's going to stay in the past. Because, again, we're, we're talking about avoiding, avoiding butterflies, but who cares? Because you've already, you've already trashed a police car. You've gotten arrested. You've gotten to the hospital. They've got x-rays on you. They've got this. They've got that. The FBI, like... X-Files B-team was, you know, had you down in the basement in the friggin' janitor's closet for an hour and a half. And, you know, all of this stuff has happened. Everyone's dropped a communicator. A phaser blew up in some guy's hand. And, you know, there's all these friggin' remnants of technology hither and yon, which, you know, then Rios is like, I think I gathered up everything, a butterfly effect. Yeah, except for every single thing that you've done in this show. Um <laughs> yeah but close um you know then he decides he's gonna stay back and everyone's like okay it's like so now how does that affect the future with the entirety of season one because now rios ain't around for that entire season to happen not to mention the entire setup for this season not to mention just having, oh, I don't know, an extra 20, what, 23rd, 24th century person banging around in the 21st century. Eh, no discernible consequences. None whatsoever. Not even a little bit. Ah! 
So what the hell is the entire point of the freaking premise of going back to change the future when you can leave a person back there and it doesn't change the future? Not to mention then Agnes Girardi isn't around. Again, what happens to the entirety of season one now that she is no longer in there, like in that future timeline? Right? Well, I, I mean, isn't that how that works? Well, not really, because, I mean, the, the events of season one, right, are in the past. They've already happened. And they as right. people yeah, no, you're right. You're go right. back. I'm... So they're still going to be born and grow and, you know, get to the point of meeting Picard. Like, that that stuff isn't wiped out. Okay, so. you're correct. I'm, I'm going overboard in that. But, but still. But your point like... holds that there was zero consequences for the interactions they had. Yeah. That I, uh, but then, you know, of course, you know, uh, then the, the, the thing is they had to, which I didn't even remember them making the exchange telling Agnes like, okay, you get the ship as long as we get whatever. I don't remember that deal being made, but I guess it probably happened in one throwaway line that just happened so quickly because, hey, we got to move through this crap quick because JL has got to give another speech that's going to save the world. And, you know, then we got other stuff that we need to get to. We need to get to the story H right now. Um, so they give up the ship so that she can go cruise off to the Delta Quadrant and form a kinder, gentler Borg. And zero consequence to that because Q, hey, guess what? I got my powers back. Woohoo! I can only do one more snap and I'm going to set everything right. Okay, well, you've <laughs> we've only seen you like five times this entire season. So, I mean, it kind of takes away some of the weight of this. You know, which comes back to the fact that what a waste, what a waste, because oh, I, I can't remember his name. And I, I should have looked this up. Who? The actor who played Q. John Delancey. Um, John Delancey. Good God. What a joy having him play Q again. And, and what a what a, a great piece of Star Wars history. He is just on two legs, just walking around, chewing scenery and completely underused in this series completely underused should have been in every episode should have been, or at the very least been in eight out of ten of the episodes mm-hmm. and instead he's in like three maybe four and he's like then they try and pretend like oh and he's bringing this whole thing back together it's like no you didn't earn that he he's only been around in like 15 minutes of screen time at this point I don't give a crap. And I love that character and I love the actor who plays him. And I could care less at this point because you you haven't earned that emotion from me because he's only been partially tangentially involved in the friggin' story, which is a feat in and of itself in the fact that he set the damn thing up and he well, managed to sideline him to that point. It's amazing. Well, so I'll I'll kind of jump in with with a different take on it. So and and this may be me as more a, a more forgiving and, and kind of optimistic fan, but so when you say they hadn't earned the emotion, I kind of feel like they had not in the season, so I agree with you, but I've always felt there was that kind of underlying tone of care and friendship that Q felt for Picard, but never really expressed in the finale of TNG. You know, he, mm-hmm. he kind of talked about, you know, his, his whole dynamic with Picard has been putting him through these tests to kind of, you know, again, try humanity, but at the same time show him 
that there's a, a, a greater world or a greater, you know, universe out there that, you know, to open the mind and, and, and to, to explore, you know, those areas and, and, you know, what does he say at the end of the finale that, you, you know, it's, it's your, your imagination is, is your, um, you know, is, is, is kind of the next great place to explore or something to that effect. I, I, I forget specifically what it was, but he, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's trying to get, you know, he, he's trying to get Picard to see that there's something bigger out there. And, you know, someone who is a, a dire villain and an, and, and an enemy would, would not have that amount of, of care and interest, but that's kind of where it ended for the two of them. So when we came to the finale and they're sitting in, in the, uh, I don't, I don't know what you call it, the stained glass room in the chateau. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really appreciated, you know, when he gets up and he says, like, I kind of laughed at the line when, when Picard's asking, you know, what, what does this have to do with, you know, the grander scheme of things? And, and his, his response to him is, is just this chuckle. And like, why does everything have to be of galactic import? And, well, and he yeah, because he, he asked him before, he's like, why? And right. he's like, finish the sentence. Right. Why me? Right. Yeah. I, no, and I appreciated all that. And I totally and, did. My well, my point. Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. So, 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 so he, he gets up and, he, you know, and, and, and when he takes Picard's, you know, face in his hands and he says, you know, you matter to me and I don't want you to die. You know, I'm about to die alone and I don't want this for you. Like that was to me a payoff long coming from all the way back in the series where you see Q is not this heartless, you know, uh, you know, tormentor of Picard's, but instead, you know, earned, you know, Picard earned his respect through who he was and the way he handled the, the, uh, the challenges that he had to endure. And we finally get the payoff of Q really did care about Picard. You know what I mean? Like Hugh really looked and he calls him old friend and, and he uses mm-hmm. all these terms that he never really used, uh, you know, back during the series. So for me, I felt like when I like those those that part, that part and then the part where before he you know snaps his fingers and Picard gives him a hug and he's like, you're not you, you know, you're this is what this was all about. You're you're not alone. You know, like like he cares, you know, for him as well. Like those were the two bright spots where I felt there was a well-intended story to be told, but it was just executed very poorly. And for me, at least as a fan, I'm leaning on what they once were in the old series. But to see those two parts and to see those two characters and those two actors bring that emotion to it, that, that to me is when Picard finally has some emotion, I feel. Uh, in 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 season two is is with Q, mm-hmm. and I just really appreciated that. Like I to to me that was a great ending for Q, even though the story could have been much better across the season. But to at least have that moment, those two moments with the two of them, where there's that mutual respect and that that affection and 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 desire to to see to want good for for the other, was always a long time coming, but never fully expressed you know, prior to that. I agree a hundred percent. Um, though, you know, again, we, we finally get some motion out of Picard, but again, it's, it's probably about four or five episodes too late. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I, and, and what's really incredible is it's like, he has more emotion towards Q than he does with the revelation with his mother. 
Yeah. Which, it, again, it, it's like you can't wait until the last minute and be like, it, it, what it feels like to me is like, oh, wait, we need to have Picard have some sort of emotional revelation. It's like, no, you right. can't throw that in at the minute. That's why. I, and I and I understand what you're saying about you're drawing and you're leaning on on Picard and Q's relationship in TNG and throughout the series and how it's and it is it's long overdue it's long awaited and I I that part I enjoyed the problem being that you leaned so heavily on that and you gave nothing in this series and it's like there's ways to do that and again if you took if you taken some care with this story and you'd made a decision about what is it a Q story or is it a Borg story? If it's a Q story, get the Borg the hell out of there and focus yeah. on Q and Picard and give me some more Q. Give me some more scenes with him. Give me some more anything mm-hmm. to kind of to give me more of an emotional range and fill in the blanks here so that I don't have to lean again on my head cannon, on my head's plot story that I'm kind of filling in along the way. No, I'm that's that's your job as writers and directors and producers that's your job to to form that and to and to lay it out and to put it on the screen and they did not do that it it mm-hmm. leaned completely on nostalgia it leaned completely on all of that like and the and there's a way you can draw on that and you can honor that and use that as background and it's totally valid and and rich, and that's what pisses me off, is they wasted mm-hmm. all of that fert- fertile ground and did nothing with it and then tried to jam it all in at the last minute. Like, see, isn't this right. a great emotional thing? Like, no, you did not earn it over this series. You didn't <laughs> earn it. You didn't do a damn thing until right about now, mm-hmm. until this episode, to start tugging on those heartstrings because you were too busy and you're too unfocused and to me that is again it's one of those it's one of those story sins like you done messed up big yeah and 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 i agree but i i also yeah yeah there 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 could have been more weight to it and it could have been a more emotional moment the one thing i will say though is you also can't like i i don't feel though that one great season two would have you know, fully brought the weight of everything from their relationship back in the TNG series. You know what I mean? Like, no, I get no. what you're saying. Like, there, there should th- this was not executed well, hundred percent. Could have been executed better, hundred percent. But you're not going to for newer fans who are just watching Picard now. You can't make up for all that emotional territory with a great, you know, cue Picard story in one season. You know what I mean? Like, like for me as a longtime fan of, of the series, the, I think the connection there was there because of what that series means to me in terms of sci-fi and what I enjoy in terms of that storytelling that happened with those characters. And that's something you can't make up in one season, but to your point, do them justice. You know what I mean? Like, like do justice mm-hmm. to the characters and, and honor the characters the way that they were written and, and, and send them out or at least one of them out in the proper way. And I felt like they at least, and that's what I mean by well-intended. I think they had a well-intended story they were trying to tell. They just executed it very poorly. I feel like this was, it wasn't, um, <sighs> 
let's put it in this way. Let's let's let me try and describe it because I, I I'm agreeing with you, and I I'm tr- I'm trying to find a way to communicate it because I don't want to like shoot down what you're saying because I agree. And this, oh, and this show isn't you're this not. show isn't for like new fans. Like this is yeah <laughs> this this is not like oh hey I want to check out Star Trek. I'm going to check coming out coming in fresh. I get what you're like like I get what you mean. Someone coming in fresh, they're not gonna. This was not an emotional moment. Yeah, it was but it wasn't, it wasn't for because them, of my you know? history. You know what yeah. I mean? It's sort of like, um, say you're a fan of a band mm-hmm. and the band has been around for a long time and you want you hear like there's a new album coming out. You're like, sweet, I am ready for a new album. And you get the you get the new album and it turns out it's basically either a greatest hits with like two new songs on it you know because they back when they used to do that um and dave grohl had a great way of putting that where he's like it's you know you have to go in and record the song on the album that's neither great nor a hit um because <laughs> you have to have something new for people to buy because chances right. are they've got all the greatest hits um or you get an album that feels like it's a redo of old material like there's nothing new on it it's essentially like these feel like songs that probably got cut from other albums and you just mashed them together and put them on here. I feel like you could have told a new and interesting story with Q and Picard, Mm -hmm. a story that did not, did not involve the enterprise Mm -hmm. that is later life Picard. Like uh, essentially you could have done a story very much like this, but with a lot more care and a lot more imagination that would have actually added to the legacy instead of basically feeling like you're getting you're getting a story that was a suggested TNG episode that got cut you know what yeah. i mean like i feel yeah. like we we could yeah. have gotten a a an addition not just a a cap right you know right uh, an epilogue Absolutely. to to this we could have gotten a new chapter that then tied it up not just like a oh and then there was this one thing that happened yeah you know Absolutely. and i that that opportunity was missed and that's a yes. shame because i i feel like i feel like patrick stewart probably could have delivered on it i know sure as hell john delancey could deliver on it because i think mm-hmm. him um the actor who played guinan i felt was was not used as well as she could have been um who else? I feel James, like Brent Spiner. James Callis. James Callis. Oh my gosh! I, actually, I feel like James Callis was used just about right. I would have liked to have seen him more, but then again, you would have actually had to explore some more of that Picard, you know, big bad secret, which could have totally fit in with a Q storyline as well. But James Callis, I felt did was a was a bright spot for me. Um, but I feel like Brent Spiner could have could have had a better impact if they made his character less dumb yeah you know but to me it's just like it's a missed opportunity like you have an opportunity to do something here and you blew it because you just didn't plan very well you didn't take care of of stuff it's just uh because i mean then then again we it's all epilogue all epilogue and we get back to the future oh and now oh it's the 
it's the the Borg Queen is Agnes. Oh well, because she's still yeah. alive after four hundred years and looks the same. All right, because uh, reasons. Who knows? You know, I don't know what the lifespan of a Borg is, but apparently, you know, it's like a sea turtle. They they're around for a long time, and and they've got a shell, so it's kind of very apt. Um, and sea turtles shoot green things out of their eyes as well. Not a lot of people know that. Um, but then all of a sudden we have this freaking galactic event come out of nowhere, and you know, but and it's. <laughs> It's somehow easily defeated by a, like a, a dozen ships all all synchronizing their shields because this a galactic event is shooting a very focused beam of something in one mm. specific direction. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, as galactic events do, and, and again, it's just it's like well, we have to have it's again. It feels How like they're dimensional. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like we got to have this thing tie up. And oh, wait a minute. There was a big emergency, and again, it feels like they're making this up in real time as they went along, and just went with it because, like, oh yeah, they. And when they come back, they're back on the on the bridge, and the Borg is there. Um, okay, well, yeah, make the back Borg Queen Ag- Agnes. Okay, but but then there has to be something that's going to happen. Um, a galactic event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Okay, yeah, let's shoot it. Like it felt like it again. Like it just came out of nowhere, and then. And then after that, you get another epilogue where we get, you know, Wesley Crusher comes back and Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I mean, I guess that's kind of cool. But at the same time, I was just done at that point. I'm like, the thing I I appreciate and I hope this leads to something in season three. But so so I, I, I don't totally hate on the fact they brought Wesley back, but what you know, to, to kind of go with our theme of, of this show where, where the, the logic was lacking, you know, Wesley was visited upon by the traveler in, in the TNG series because he was exhibiting, you know, some of those attributes, you know, as, as he worked with this Mm. entity who ended up being a traveler and, it just felt kind of odd where it's just like, he just pops in and like, you know, Hey, you're, you know, do you want to be a traveler? It's like, she's exhibited no care, you know, characteristics mm-hmm. for this at all. You know, yep. she's just starting out on her own, you know, kind of living her life after being kind of imprisoned by her father and being lied to by him. Um, And, you know, now she's going to be this entity when it was almost like Wesley kind of had, not that he had to prove himself, but he had, he, he clearly had to exhibit something in order for that, you know, for that being to say to him, do you want to be a part of this? Yeah. So it was just kind of, it just felt very tacked on, you know what I mean? It, and, and very, they didn't earn it out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I it was, felt thr- like I, it, I, I was it, thrilled it, to see Wesley again. I thought that was really cool. It was great to see Will Wheaton, you know, kind yeah. of being that Wesley character, but, um, but yeah, it, it it unfortunately just felt tacked on, and like you just said, it it wasn't earned. It felt like an, another thing with like, oh, and wouldn't it be cool if? Yeah, and they just yeah. threw it down on the script, and yeah, let's shoot it. Yeah, like no, I, somebody should have really gone through this a little bit more. I feel. Yep. Like I feel like it out of a it, out of a ten show series, there was probably like a good there was a really good four show series trapped yeah. inside of a ten show series. You know, and that's and that's that's a damn shame when you're dealing with, you know, something that could have yielded so much more. 
There are four lights. Oh my gosh. What in the four lights was going on with this? That's that what I want. Episode to know. title. There are four lights. Oh. But anyway, so again, once again, you know, I've yeah. run this thing into the ground and and you know, I, I got to feel better. And now well, that you yeah, have a chance but, to ventilate. But here's the thing, like I, I enjoyed a lot of that stuff, but by the time the season finale came around, I was I really was. I, I knew at some point that we were gonna talk about this and I was just watching through I was hate watching it by the end. I was yeah. I was yeah, I was just trying to get through it because I knew we were gonna talk about it. And like like I said, oh, it was great to see, you know, the the cue Picard resolution, but I was done. I was just yeah. done. I yeah. was worn out from all the BS getting up to there. And then Will Wheaton showing up and it's like, okay, sure. Yeah. I'm just burnt. I'm burnt out. Like, yeah. Oh, it's cool. But after that subsided 10 seconds later and you then think like, the hell is he doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and why? Yeah. And what is she? And, 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 and who cares? Like you've given me, you haven't really given me any reason to care about any of this. I know. I know. It was like, okay, well it, it's very, it's just a quick little flash and then it's gone. Yeah. So, again, uh, it would have it would have behooved uh, a few of these writers, I think, to have watched uh, some some professional wrestling and to see what works and what doesn't work and realize, like, hey, you got to book these things right, because otherwise you're just feeding things to the crowd. And, yeah, they pop for it. But then a week later, who gives a crap? It all comes down to the booking. Indeed. And another thing. So what do you got for and another thing this episode, sir? Uh, my and another thing is is short, sweet, and simple. Uh, we are uh, this summer going to see uh, in action, live, in person, uh, Trombone Shorty. And That's why. So, as right. And so I thought I would uh, just kind of highlight, uh, you know, him as, as an artist and, and his, his, uh, his band, his performance uh, that, it, you know, now that we're back to some live uh, performances and music and stuff to uh, if you have an opportunity to, to check him out. Uh, I, I have come to know him through, uh, through my younger son, my younger son, my oldest son, uh, who is a trombone player himself, uh, very much enjoys his music. I've very much uh, enjoyed getting to to know his music and uh yeah just just uh i found uh i included a link uh, uncle todd if you include in the show notes it's a song yes, sir. published february 28th of this year called come back uh it's got a great start to it uh and and just a great song all around just love listening to to his energy and 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 uh and passion in playing music and so uh, just, uh, you know, we, 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 got some tickets last week for a performance that's coming up in a, in a month or two and, uh, just excited to, to see him live. And so I just figured I would highlight a favorite artist of my oldest, uh, one, Mr. Trombone Shorty. Nice. Now you've never seen Trombone Shorty, uh, in person. No, we've been trying, you know, we were trying to get, uh, get tickets back, you know, pre COVID then COVID hit, um, and uh yeah just just never seemed to work out and so uh they're actually you know his show is actually coming to a uh venue out here in chicago um 
uh, it's an outdoor venue. And so we'll be able to, uh, not, not like a concert. Ve- it's sorry. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like a park. Uh, it has like a, mm-hmm. uh, stage and seating area, but you also can buy just like lawn tickets to just come and sit and listen to the performance. Yeah. So um, like an amphitheater kind of, kind of an amphitheater. Situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it's called Ravinia and, and it's a, just, it's a great place. And so we love going, just sitting, you know, kind of in the lawn area and, you know, they, they, they do have screens up so you can kind of see a little bit of what's going on on stage and stuff. And, uh, so we're, we're very excited to check that out. Uh, that, that is a marquee, uh, concert we're going to go to. And then, uh, we're also going to see some Chicago symphony orchestra over the summer too there. Um, they, they do a very cool thing this year. The movies didn't quite hit our, hit our, uh, uh, wheelhouse, but, uh, they, they've done, uh, Indiana Jones, they've done Lord of the Rings. They've done, uh, gosh, what was the other one? I think they've done Ghostbusters, but basically the CSO will, uh, Chicago Symphony Orchestra will play, uh, the soundtrack live. Oh, uh, nice. Que- queued up to the movie. Uh, Very cool. So, oh my gosh. It, and that's been incredible. And it is probably one of like, when they have the right movie and stuff, it is like one of the best attended things. I mean, it is just like a sea of people and you can't see an inch of lawn. So, so it is, <laughs> I've always, I've seen performances fun. like that on videos and stuff. And I've always wanted to go to one because that is to me on different levels. Like, yeah, just, you know, some movie scores are incredible, just pieces of music in and of themselves. But then just for from a, the standpoint of a musician and knowing what it takes to make sure you are on like that entire time, like because, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's like edited and recorded. And then, you know, it's timed out perfectly to hit that live is incredible. Oh, and, yeah. th- and that is just that is an amazing thing as a musician to just be there and to, and to see musicians operating at that level is is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and also I'll oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say the title of, of Trombone Shorty's show is uh, Trombone Shorty's Voodoo Throwdown with special guests Tank and the Bangas, Big Frida, Cyril Neville, George Porter Jr. And Dumpster Hunk. Uh, uh, and d- the Soul Dumpster Rebels. Dumpster Funk. Oh, oh, sorry. Dumpster Funk. <laughs> dumpster yeah. Funk. Well, the funny thing is, I'm actually seeing essentially the same show. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I've seen Trombone Shorty now twice. Nice. Uh, I saw him nice. uh, in Portland, Maine a few years ago, uh, which was a fantastic show. And actually, Soul Rebels uh, opened for him then. And then I saw him uh, a couple of years ago, right before COVID, um, mm. in Hampton Beach. And it was... Nice. Uh, because that's that's like his voodoo throwdown is kind of like his his summer tour every year. Yeah. But this year they're doing um, with Dumpster Funk. The gimmick is I believe they're performing a lot of uh, songs from the Meters, which is uh, an incredible New Orleans band. Uh, shout out for Meters. Uh, you know, go on to Apple Music or Spotify or whatever and find like the the collected Meters, you know, catalog. And oh my gosh you don't get much funkier than that. No. Um, and George Porter, like one of those bass players who is, you know, he was in the meters, uh, in just phenomenal Cyril Neville, part of that whole orbit. And, uh, dumpster funk is just so tied into that as well. And it's going to be a phenomenal show, but yeah, can't, can't say enough. If you have a chance to see trombone shorty, uh, go do it. You're going to, you're going to love that show, dude. I'm, I'm telling you right now, yep. you're going to be blown away. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Nice. What about you, sir? Um, well, uh, in in uh, normal fashion for us, uh, I'm a few uh, a few years behind on this one because I believe this has been around for a while. But yeah, that's my that's my shtick. I, I'm the one who's ten years behind on all the uh, fads, my friend. 
okay, well, maybe I'm just I'm all, I'm marginally behind instead of you know epically behind like you are. <laughs> So that'll be my thing. Uh, but I was, I've, I've been working my way through The Last Dance on Netflix, nice. which is the story of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls' final uh, six and final championship run, which is a phenomenal story and just amazing in that, you, you know, again, for me, like the whole behind the scenes thing is always very interesting. And I was not a Chicago Bulls fan been a Celtics fan, you know, my whole life. So I, I, I wasn't as well acquainted with the, the story and the, the drama that was swirling around that team, aside from the fact that it was like, oh yeah. And Jordan decided to go and play baseball. And then Dennis Rodman was doing Dennis Rodman things, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all that. I didn't understand about the whole power struggle between Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson. And, you know, the idea of, you know, Jerry Krause wanting to blow the team up even after like the fifth championship they won, which is to me just mind blowing. Like you're still, you're, you're still in contention. Like there, you could still win another championship and you're just gonna be like, not nah, blow it up. Yeah. Which is yeah. Um, crazy. But then again, I mean, then you have the opposite with, uh, you know, some of the stories that, uh, I think Danny Ainge has, has stated before that red Arback had told him at some point that he had a, he had an offer on the table for, I believe, Parrish and McHale. Wow! Uh, in the late eighties, and he didn't he didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, like he could have blown up the Celtics, and but at the same time, then replenished the the roster for the future. But he didn't do it because he d- he just couldn't do that with those players. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting show and each one, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it before, but if you haven't, I mean, each episode kind of follows, uh, kind of lingers on a different member of the team, you know, Jordan yeah. being kind of first and foremost and, and Pippen and Rodman and, and Jackson, it's just, it, it's a great insight into, you know, that team and whether you're, whether you're a Bulls fan or not, it's, it's you can't deny like that team is, is one for the ages. I mean, you just can't. Um, but I like how they tie it into, you know, the personal history of the players and the, and the, and the people involved as well as context within the NBA at that time. So you get the mention of the Celtics and the Lakers before that, um, the, the Pistons kind of being the next team after the Celtics and the Lakers. And then the, and then the Bulls kind of, you know, then taking over after that. So it was, it, all that was very interesting for me and I, I haven't quite worked my way all the way through it, but it is, it has been a fun ride so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing that up, but highly recommend it to anybody uh, who has a Netflix subscription or, you know, if you have access to a Netflix password, that thing, I think that's still a thing right now. Um, <laughs> and the executives of Netflix. Thank you. <laughs> ah, to heck with them, you know, <laughs> Uh, Send me to Netflix jail, I guess. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, check out The Last Dance on Netflix. Very nice. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and all the members of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation. Our time has now come to an end. Yes, yes. Parting is such sweet sorrow. And, well, if you're really sick of hearing me talk, it might be sweeter for you than for anybody else. <laughs> But we thank you all for tuning in and for the downloads. We do certainly appreciate you all for listening to our 
our specific brand of EDC, we certainly appreciate it. If you haven't joined the Free Range EDC congregation, well, what the hell is wrong with you? What you need to do is go to freerangeedc.com. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can download any of them that you would like. You can also subscribe right through the Podbean app. Um, and then you will get our episodes uh, each time we upload one you'll get um, I'm imagining you get yourself a little dingy 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 and you'd be like hey those idiots said more things on the internet from their mouths and recorded it and you can go oh boy I really like to hear them talk dumb uh, and just listen to your heart's content uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts we're on Google Podcasts iHeartRadio Spotify many others uh, go find us on the podcast purveyor of your choice if by some chance we are not listed on said purveyor of your choice uh, what I would like you to do is send an, yeah, an email to tim at freerangeadc.com let him know say hey mm-hmm. you need to get on Uncle Henry's podcast <laughs> and car listings but uh, let us let us know what we're missing and I'll do my best to get us listed there uh, you can also use that address tim at freerangeadc.com to send us any questions thoughts, concerns, ideas for shows Offers of outright bribery. If you're foolish enough that you'd actually legitimately like to sponsor this podcast, go right ahead and send us an email. I mean, you know, I can't stop you from throwing your money away, so we'll take it. Um, And if you like to further yourself in the free range EDC congregation, what you got to do is you got to like us on the social medias. We're on the Twitter. We're on the Facebook. We are on the Instagram. All of those are at free range EDC. And once again, we have come to the portion of the show where I stop flapping my gums. Hallelujah, said the congregation. And uh, But not before I ask the second most important question that humankind has ever uttered from their mouth holes. The first, of course, being what is hip. The second of all being, what the hell did we learn this episode? Well, my friend, uh, we've learned the following. Uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, Picard Season 2, yes, suspect. For all the reasons we've just enumerated over the last hour and a half or two I don't hours, even I want say. a retainer from this thing. Uh, <laughs> no retainer. No uh, retainer. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we have also learned that uh, Uncle Todd every now and then needs to ventilate. Uh, but he does not sacrifice uh, when he articulates. And so we appreciate the uh, the uh, the demonstration of, of his his ability to debate and litigate uh, the uh, season two shenanigans and shortfalls of Picard. So we thank you, sir. And hope your uh, blood pressure is down a few notches. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. And once we get done with this, uh, that bourbon will further lower it down. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. That's that's Daddy's rheumatism and uh, and blood pressure medicine, right there. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, we've also learned Uncle Todd. Uh, he had one of his best Star Wars Red Fives to date. Four out of five, sir. I tip my cap to you as you make what a, a way to cap off this that segments history week, and that we now we can move on to something new. 12. No, 12, no, sir. <laughs> Put, come on, come on. <laughs> But I, I mean, I, uh, I, I know it. that I did a lot of things, but did I ever do anything that bad that no. merits inflicting this on, on me and the, and, the, and the public at large, mostly me? Oh, you told me you enjoy this and the listeners love it. So we will, we will continue Once for again, a few more you weeks. really need to get your medication checked because <laughs> I have never said that ever. I think you got a hold of some bad meat somewhere along the way, and I think you're suffering delusion. You're, you're having a delusional break. Maybe. Uh, we have also learned. Uh, 
Well, I guess <laughs> glad we established that. Moving right along. Thank you. Um, we have also learned uh, that Uncle Todd and the man they called him uh, are, have stumbled onto something. In, in, the, in this land and time of reboots, we, we need to have a rebooted G.I. Joe with a Scottish Destro, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Make that happen. Oh, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> With the bagpipes and everything, I want that. Oh, and make, uh, make, as like we chrome, make the chrome face mask plaid. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> it'd be, it's it's discussed, Scottish camouflage. <laughs> as we discussed, Picard season two was a bit uneven, with a well-intentioned conclusion, but very poorly executed. We we hope, uh, we ask, we plead that season three may may. Uh, you know, may turn a corner. May, may we see Picard be the inverse of the Star Trek movies, where the odd seasons are, are better than the even seasons. That's what we can hope for. But uh, but nonetheless, we hope for season three and the return of the TNG cast to be uh, much more uh, well thought out and, and well executed, uh, as opposed to uh, this this last season. And with that, as we always like to close out, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And for no other reason other than Uncle Todd uh, may, may, you know, release some gas and then just fall asleep, uh, please, would you hit the lights on the way out? Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. You know what I would love in Picard season three? What's that? Deanna Troy is the bad guy. Oh, just after having to listen to everybody just flapping their gums that whole time, <laughs> mansplaining, and just saying, I had to dress in that dumbass. Revenge of the Betazoid. Like, like freaking like Starfleet onesie skirt for a season and a half. Mm-hmm. That's it. Everyone in the universe must die. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She she loses it. I, I, I'm I'd go for that. You know what else we need? What? A Scottish Deanna Troy. <laughs> sure, why not? Why not? A Scottish Betazoid. <laughs> With bagpipes. Actually, With bagpipes. yeah. And, and wharf on the bagpipes in back of her. <laughs> I mean, oh after gosh. this season, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? At least then it's like, okay, they're a comedy now. Sweet. I can oh, I can roll with this. That hysterical. might you know what? I bet if you went back and you did see uh Picard season two with a laugh track, mm-hmm. I bet it would improve immensely. It could. If you tried to play it as a comedy, maybe it would work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll have myself a little bourbon and I'll I'll re edit that for everybody. Especially the part where uh, Brent Spiner, you know, pulls out the project con folder and you just have you hit the laugh track at that point. Bye. <laughs> oh no, that's that's when you get the trombone. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Once again, Uncle Todd knows how to spice it up. Quick cut to Benedict Cumberbatch. Con. I get to do Ricardo Montalban. Cook. I spit at thee. Have both of them. Have a split screen. Oh, there you go. Choose your own adventure, Con. Choose your own Con. <laughs> Ah, yes, the entertainment vehicle you never knew you were missing. (laughs) Spin the wheel, make a deal. Oh, goodness gracious. It's either con, con, or a coal miner's glove match. (laughs) (laughs) 
There are no winners here, ladies and gentlemen. We're all nope. losers. Nope, there aren't. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Yeah, pretty much. Now get the hell out of here!